Hey there, and welcome to the Oscars Death Race podcast, where we try to watch all the Oscar-nominated movies, or die trying. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. Whoever's doing well out there, we are less than a week out from Oscar nominations day, so things are getting pretty exciting. Now, this episode is a little bit late due to uh, work heating up again, especially since the last weekend was a long weekend. Um, however, I definitely wanted to get you guys a nominations prediction uh, episode out there. Now, to do that, we have longtime friend of the show and supporter, uh, Dakota from the Contra Zoom pod. Now, a bit of a disclaimer, we made these predictions, recorded it uh, last week shortly after the SAG nominations, uh, but before this week's BAFTA nominations which have certainly shaken up the race. I'll go over some of the big sifts uh, kind of in the race at the macro level uh, after the interview. Um, also, we recorded this before the small movie with a big heart to Leslie uh, began a bizarre online campaign to get Andrea Riseborough nominated. Certainly amusing to watch to a degree. I don't think it's seriously going to contend in the race. I mean, come, I mean, I may be very wrong come Oscar nomination day. Anything can happen, but I wouldn't bet on it. So, you know, I'm not going to try to mention that. That's not going to be mentioned in the interview, and I'm not going to mention it after this point. Uh, before uh, before all that, though, uh, just a reminder, I am running a contest for these predictions. Uh, you can get a $25 U.S. gift card uh, to the movie theater of your choice uh, for if you win. I'll put a link to that and all of the rules in the notes for this episode. I talked about it last week, all the rules and details. But be sure to enter that before Oscar nomination day. We will have a ton of entries right now, uh, so you definitely have a very good chance of winning if you enter. Uh, also, shout out to our friends over at the Academy of Death Racers Film Festival. It's not too late to go and grab your $5 film festival pass or year-long membership to access all of the films they have lined up over there before January 22nd uh, Pacific time. Uh, these include the uh, the five uh, Oscar shortlisted sort films um, if you want to check those out all right let's go on and move on to my conversation with dakota for on the oscar nominations predictions And joining me once again for what has become, I guess, an annual tradition for the Oscars Death Race podcast is longtime friend of the show, my first ever guest on the podcast, Dakota from the Contra Zoom podcast, uh, here for our uh, predictions episode for the nominations. Welcome back, Dakota. Thank you. I'm uh, I'm just happy that you keep inviting me back every year. I don't know why. Uh, it's so that, well, this year we don't have any uh, Wes Anderson films to make fun of me <laughs> for not having watched yet, but um, maybe next year with Asteroid City. But yes. um, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's always great to have you on. I really value your opinion. And, you know, you're, you've been busy the past year or so since we, since we last talked to you. I mean, I think you've gotten a, a job as a production assistant, correct? Uh, yeah, I've been, I've been working in the film industry now for, uh, for a year and a half now. So uh, yeah, I, uh, I do a little bit of work in, in that field, uh, currently on the, the TV show Superman and Lois. Uh, uh, the CW show, so I'm sure some people know that show. Some people probably don't, but uh, it's a it's a fun show with lots of action and special effects, and uh, I enjoy working on it. I mean, it's probably a better show than whatever going is going on with the DCU right now, right? <laughs> uh, no comment. <laughs> All right, fair enough, fair enough. Um, just for people who maybe you know just started listening to the show uh, this season, can you refi- refresh, you know, refi- refresh the guests, you know, on who you are, you know, what Contra Zoom podcast is, and then just kind of like your take, your your hit, your favorite, ta- your taste in movies. What are your favorite movies? Just so you can get a sense of where you're coming from in terms of uh, the Oscar race. Yeah, sure. Uh, okay, yeah, like you said, I'm I'm Dakota Arsenault. Uh, I host a podcast called Contra Zoom Pod. I have a co-host named Rachel Ho. She's fantastic. 
and we've been doing this now for, I think, eight years. Oh, my God. Wow. This is going for a really long time. Well over 200 shows now. Uh, we just love talking about movies. Every every week is sort of a, a different topic that we do. Uh, some of our most popular episodes lately has been we're going through all of the A24 films in chronological order. For the most part, sometimes we do new releases. But uh, we call it the A24 retrospective. And I know a lot of people kind of are enjoying playing along, being like, oh, uh, you know, this is one I've always loved or this is one I've kind of wanted to check out or maybe I've never even heard of it and now it gives me a reason to sort of check it out. So uh, I've gotten a lot of great feedback on on that series, which is pretty fantastic. Uh, I actually had you somewhat involved in a, in a recent episode just before Christmas um, to coincide with the Sight and Sound Greatest Films of All Time list that came out. I decided to do my own poll and sent a whole bunch of surveys out to other podcasters, reviewers, interviewers, filmmakers. I actually got several filmmakers to participate, which was crazy. Uh, but of course, you were nice enough to uh, fill out a ballot and send in your top 10 picks as well. And it was super awesome because I wanted to make sure I got all of my uh, friends of the show uh, to participate in this. And I was, I was so happy that you uh, you were able to do that. And I appreciate that. Of course, of course. I mean, who who else would advocate for Shrek being one of the number top 10 films of all time? Hey, you know what? It could be worse. You could be Jeff from Classic Movies Live advocating for Freddy Got Fingered. So, you know, you do you. All right. Uh, and yeah, and then so, you know, it seems like you know, you're definitely into, you know, based on that, you, you're you into A24 films, which, you know, people can't see you're wearing an A24 hat right now as we record. So are, are there any other kinds of films aside from A24 that, that you're into? Yeah, I, I, I'm really into the classics. I sort of feel like you can never... There's so many films you can never stop learning and exploring different genres, directors, filmographies, studios, all that sort of stuff. So uh, so I'm really big into trying to do my my homework. That's that's what I love about being a movie fan is the homework is fun. You know, I, I get to watch some some real good classic movies and I feel like I'm expanding my horizons and learning more every time I watch something new, which is why I always love it when whether it's you or anyone else, either on the server or like in our, our podcast group of people where they like sort of find a new director or film that's, you know, not of contemporary times and being like, wow, this is this is pretty fantastic. I, I have a whole new appreciation for this. And I love how how you are so adamant about like wanting to learn more as well about the the history of film and cinema i i I love your joy and passion that comes from that so it's always exciting i appreciate that code i appreciate that a lot um and then you know of course this is the oscars death race podcast so you know you've also been doing the death race i think you did it around the same time i started doing the death race maybe four years ago maybe a little bit longer than me Uh, but that's correct right and you've and you've more or less been successful since i started doing the podcast at least uh, I've been doing it a bit longer than that. I think the the very first time I was like, because I, I always watched the Oscars kind of growing up and I always sort of enjoyed it. And uh, growing up, I was always just like, I've never heard of most of these movies. That's like the biggest complaint I've ever heard that like doesn't actually pay attention to the award shows. I was like, I don't know this movie. How can this be winning Best Picture? What's wrong with that? Blah, blah, blah. They're so out of touch. So I was, it was probably uh, about 2008 where uh, movie, a local movie theater, uh, the AMC was showing uh, all the Best Picture nominees. And you could buy a ticket and they're showing them all in one day. And it was, I think it was probably like $40 or something for five movies. I was like, hey, that's a you know a decent deal. I think I've only seen one of them, so I'll do that. So 2008 was the first time I watched all the Best Picture nominees. And then after that, I sort of slowly started trying to watch, you know, all the big nominees, you know, including actor and actress and director and things like that. And so there would be a couple more trickling in each year. And it probably wasn't until I want to say 2010 that I really started being like, hey, you know what? Let's also try to watch the docs and the internationals. 
then known as the foreign language films and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, it's probably been the last five or so years where like I've been within striking distance of completing it every year. And for the last, I believe it's three or four years, I've gotten every single one. So, uh, so I've been doing this for a while, but I, I think I've only been calling it officially death racing. If you want to, what, what we in the community call it since about 2010, which is, I guess, long and uh i know last year you said you i think i think you said you might have some trouble last but you ended up finishing it last year um how does it feel this year right like do you feel like you're maybe based on what we, we've seen are in striking distance again this year um and then also just what's your favorite uh film for the from the death race so far yeah i i think i'm doing good you know like at this point last year when we recorded it was sort of the same thing where you know you kind of have an idea of, of which ones are going to be the major contenders based on uh festival reception uh critical response precursor awards popping up and things like that so, so you kind of have a bit of an idea of the uh 20 to 30 movies that are, are mostly in contention for most of the awards so you can kind of like slowly start ticking them off and and i feel like if you're a fan of contemporary cinema you know you're gonna see the fablemans no matter what you're you're gonna see anchi's tar yeah like that sort of stuff where it's like either way that's going to be on your radar regardless if you're if you're a contemporary movie fan so it's sort of easy to be like great i'm seeing this because a it's most likely going to be oscar nominee and b you know i just really want to see the new uh kate blanchett movie sort of thing so it's i i feel like we're we're doing okay and i think probably as as you know better than just about anyone else the way theatrical releases have been so changing so much in this post-pandemic world where you know movies are in theaters and then four weeks later they're hitting streaming services so it's like you don't have to worry about like oh you know if i didn't get to the theaters in time because it was a limited release then i have to wait another two three months before it comes out on blu-ray or whatever and and hope that i can rent it from apple or Amazon or whatever it is. And like, maybe this one will be on Netflix. Who knows? It seems like every year it, it's almost getting a little bit easier, uh, especially for the bigger awards. I don't know if you feel the same way. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't think there's, and there's honestly no better time to do death racing than, than nowadays with the whole streaming situation going on. Yeah. And obviously there's going to be a bit of digging you know, if you want to watch the shorts, you're probably going to have to venture out of your house. And I know you go to the Lincoln Center to see all the shorts in uh, in one day. And and I would do that too when I was in Toronto. And I know they do that out here in Vancouver as well. Uh, the international ones might have tricky release dates where, you know, it had a very limited, limited run, uh, but it's not really coming out wide in most markets. Yeah, you but know, even then, streaming companies are out. going out of their way to pick up like the big international films also. You're right. So. Movie's been a big uh, pr- uh, provider that's been doing that as well too. So so you, it, it has been easier. You know, there's always going to be those couple really, really tricky ones um, just because due to lack of demand or, or release schedule, what have you. Uh, but by and large, it has been easier. And then quality-wise, I think the films this year, just, I, I don't know, this is my take. I think they're loads better than last year's films. I don't know if, I don't know if you agree or not. Yeah, it, it's tough. I always sort of struggle to like, you know, rank year by year. Be like, oh, this year is stronger than last year. Like it, it almost, it almost sometimes feels like you're describing wine. Be like, mm, yeah, this was a really fine year. It's like, eh, you know, if you dig deep enough, you're probably gonna find some stuff you like and some stuff you don't like, regardless. But I will say, I, I feel like I'm enjoying it a bit more this year. Uh, there's been a lot more I've been excited about coming up because there's always going to be those like surprises where you're like man i didn't even hear about this movie i saw it it just blew me away uh that i think we we why we death race in the first place is because finding those hidden gems is is really the the sort of uh real fun part of this but uh from from you know the big contenders i i think they've all been pretty solid for the most part 
for sure, for sure. Well, you know, let's talk about this in more time. We have, I think, like 23, 24 categories to get through. So, um, again, for those who haven't heard this episode before, um, every you know episode before Oscar nomination day, Dakota and I uh, go through each category. You know, we'll go through Gold Derby as of the time of recording, go through, you know, the top, you know, five or six films in order from there, see if we agree with their rankings, if we disagree with their rankings, and who we hope will get in. Um, and, you know, just a good time. You know, again, I am running a nomination contest um, as of when, as of last week, um, when this episode comes out, we're recording it a week early. Yeah, we're going to go through and uh, and hopefully if you want to enter that contest, uh, maybe this will give you some uh, some guidance on, on, on where to go for. And maybe, you know, if you agree, you disagree, at least you have a reason why. Uh, you can think you have a reason why. So, uh, yeah, Dakota, are you, are, you, are you ready to hop in and maybe make some hope predictions as well as predictions? Oh, yeah. This is, you know, the, so much of this is based on gut feeling and hope and you know, just blind, false confidence. <laughs> so, uh, so I don't know if, if you really want to be taking my word yet, if you're, if you're trying to bet on these, uh, movies, but, uh, but I'm ready to have some fun. Hey, I looked at last year, you actually out predicted me, uh, really? last year. So I, you had 80 correct. I got 77 correct last year. Oh, so, okay. uh, yeah, you, you have that going for you. All right. So let's get into things. First off the big one, best picture. So obviously they're going to be 10 best picture nominees this year. So we'll go through the top 15 actually. Um, and then I have some stats from before we get into our predictions. So, uh, first off, you know, according to, to gold derby, number one, everything, everywhere, all at once. Number two, the Fablemans. number three, Banshees of Inisarin. number four, Top Gun Maverick. Number five, Tar. Number six, Avatar Way of Water. Number seven, Elvis. Number eight, Woman Talking. Number nine, Babylon. And then number 10, All Quiet on the Western Front. Um, and then, you know, kind of beyond that, we have number 11, Triangle of Sadness. Number 12, Glass Onion. Number 13, RRR. Number 14, uh, Woman King. And then number 15, The Whale. Now, you know, I, I have in our notes, you know, some films are locks, so to speak, right? I would say probably the most locked films based on precursors are probably everything, everywhere, all at once, Fablemans, Banshees, Top Gun Maverick, and then Tar. Um, I did have women talking, but we'll, but some things as of the day of recording, i.e. DGAs and, and SAG Awards, um, may have me a little less confident in that at the moment. But, um, you know, based on different, you know, things that th- these are kind of like the main front ones. Now... You know, also on the Oscar race subreddit, I uh, do some analysis. I've been doing some analysis the past couple of months. I found some interesting things I think have really shaped the way I think about, you know, the the best picture race. So first off, some stats, right? We have the National the the, the National Board of Review and an AFI, American Film Institute. Um, National Board of Review, 52%, 52.5% of all the nominees since expansion have uh, made, best, uh, made best picture, um, though 11 of their 13 films... Uh, of their films they call best film made it. Meanwhile, for AFI, um, about 65% of theirs have made it. Um, and then if you look at only the people who won their best film, 100% of AFI's nominees have gotten the best picture. And then also 100% of feature films uh, that were given quote-unquote special awards um, were given uh, made it the best picture. Um, so Parasite, for example, was not actually in AFI's top 10 of the year, but it was a special uh, award for them. Um, and if you look at films that were on both AFI and NBR, um, 75% of those films uh, ended up getting to Best Picture. Um, so all the stuff, you know, later on, which ones have both. 
Um, Metacritic, you know, they compile the top 10 critics list. The top film uh, always has a 100% nomination rate. Second and third place, you know, from the top 10 critics list that they compile have a 77% nomination rate. Um, the highest per theater average grossing film of the year, eight out of the 12 of them made best picture. Um, I also found an interesting stat looking at above the line and below the line nominations um, kind of historically. So, you know, if you look at best picture nominees historically, there needs to be what I call a path to best picture, right? So you need either... And so one, the, the most common path is having at least two above the line nominations, being director, uh, an acting nomination or, or a screenplay nomination. You need at least two. 81% of films, uh, 95 out of 116 total films have at least, uh, who have been nominated for Best Picture have this stat. Um, the other kind of main way, though less to a lesser degree, um, are the technical films, right? So these are films that have fewer than two above the line nominations, maybe zero or one, but they have at least three below the line nominations. That's anything not above the line, right? 14 out of 116 films have that. Um, another interesting stat, stat about technical films, I found that you know, if you have a film that's either 67% of your nominations are below the line or you are you know, uh, at least three below the line, no above the line, um, you know, they historically have only had about two to three films max like that per year. So really, they don't like to have more than three films be a technical film, uh, which I think is very relevant for this year since um, there are a lot of really strong technical contenders. The last two categories, less likely, seven out of 116 films have only had one uh, above the line nomination and then three below the line nominations. Most likely if you're a screenplay. Um, and then only one film, Selma, has had no above the line nominations and only one below the line nomination um, for original song. So that was a really a far out so really you need you know either a lot of technical nominations or at least two above the line nominations and then kind of the last that I'll go through is that you know um, you know different uh, studios end up having uh, you know kind of different distributions you know Disney combining searchlight and 20th century historically haven't have had about two films you know get in uh, to best picture Universal usually will have at least one to two um, Sony will historically have one though there obviously have been times where they've had you know, none had they've had two. Um, Warner Brothers consistently always has at least one nominee. Um, Paramount actually, for the last several years, have had no nominees. Um, which is, you know, uh, with, Par with, with Top Gun this year could, I guess, be a reversal of the overall trend. And then the last couple of years, streamers have been really doing well, right? Netflix in particular. But historically, there have been maybe like three films, uh, at least the past couple of years, um, getting three uh, from, the from the streamers. Though, again, this year, I think the streaming slate is kind of weak, so that could be a little bit lower. Uh, but I don't think they would be sought out. And then indie films, A24, namely, um, usually will have at least one film nominated uh, per year. So, all right, that's a lot. Dakota, what do you think of all my stats before I get into my into our predictions? It, that was a lot of stats, but like everything you're saying sort of makes sense when you when you think about it, as far as uh, a path being needed to uh, to get to get the best picture where like yeah, if if you're if you get nominated for best director, you're probably getting nominated for best picture. If you're getting nominated for, you know, actor in a screenplay, yeah, that makes sort of sense. You're you're one of the, the top ones. And then of course the the below the line ones, the really important ones, which we'll eventually get to, you know, editing cinematography. Uh, those are probably the the two top ones that are, are, are really required before, you know, whether you want to sprinkle in some other ones. Makes sense. And I know you talk about it a lot as far as the editing and the sound overlap, which then becomes a, a bit of a, a predictor for best picture as well. Uh, all that sort of makes sense. And, uh, and, and I think if you've been following along Oscar races, uh, isn't going to be exactly news for you. And if you're sort of newer, then this is a, a good way to, to approach your Oscar season and your Oscar ballots. 
Yeah, I think I think it's more. It's actually mostly relevant when you know there are films that people uh, online discuss, and I've been like, oh, this definitely should get in. But my my big question is always, what's their path, right? Like you think maybe they have one above the line nomination. That's not a path to best picture. I mean, yes, it happens occasionally, but that's like very rare. Only six percent of nominees. So it's you know if I'm predicting you know for for a contest or whatever, I'm going to want to have one that has a more sir uh, path to best picture than one that requires a lot of different things to go right. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, so I'll just go through my predictions real quick. So you know, I mentioned a lot of a lot of knocks, and I'll kind of go through this. So uh, my predictions for best picture: uh, number one, everything ever all at once. I have it at five above the line nominations uh, from A twenty four. It also is on both NBR and AFI, and it's the highest uh, critic love film on Metacritic. Um, number two, I have The Fablements, four above the line nominees for me. Um, from Universal, it's also the, the People's Choice Award winner from Toronto International Film Festival, which historically has been a, pretty much a very solid indicator for Best Picture. Uh, number three, I have Banshees of Inisarin, six above the line nominations for me. Um, it is uh, from Searchlight, uh, was also both on NBR and AFI. Um, it also got an AFI special mention, which as I mentioned, has a 100% nomination rate. Um, number four, Top Gun Maverick, um, five below the line nominations. Uh, it got the uh, NBR Best Film uh, nomination um, and then uh, also was on both NBR and AFI. Um, fifth, I have Tar, three above the line nominations from Focus Features, was on AFI. Um, and then six, I have Elvis. This one is a technical contender, five below the line nominations, including editing from Warner Brothers and also on the AFI list. Uh, Avatar uh, has five below nominations from 20th Century Fox, um, NBR and AFI. Um, and then this is where it gets a little bit shaky, eight and below. Right now, uh, as of recording, I have Woman Talking. So um, I think it has two above the line nominations at this point. It's from United Artists, which is now owned by Amazon. It was on both NBR and AFI. But this is one I would seriously consider being a major uh, at risk for dropping in the coming days. But between uh, now when we record it and when the actual nomination day. And then number nine, I have Glass Onion. Now, this one's another rare case. Uh, I just said all that about there has to be a path to Best Picture. I only have Glass Onion for one above-the-line nomination. That said, I think uh, one, between just being too many uh, technical nominations in, you know, Top Gun, Elvis, uh, and Avatar, I think Glass, uh, I think, you know, the other major Netflix contender, all quite on the Western front, competes too strongly with them uh, for having more technical nominees. So I think, you know, it'll probably go to Netflix this so they won't be completely shut out. Um, though I could obviously be very wrong in the, in that regard, but it only has one above the line um, for that. Now, for my 10th fill, there are a bunch of different options, right? So we mentioned the bunch. Right now, I'm saying Babylon. Um, I have it at six below the line nominations. So again, another major te uh, technical contender. It does compete with Top Gun Maverick for a Paramount slot. Um, but again, this, this year has done very well. And maybe it's just my recency bias. I just came off of seeing Babylon this past Sunday. I love the film. Uh, so maybe this is me a, a little bit more hopeful than others. So, you know, there are a couple of other films uh, that I think can get there, which I think could lead to good conversation. But before we get to those, Dakota, what are your top 10? Uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like we're in a very similar boat there. I think Women Talking and is probably my biggest one that I'm concerned about. Not concerned about. It's, it's the one that I'm the most unsure about is probably the best way to say it, where I can see it doing very well or I can see it being completely shut out. And I don't really sort of see a, a median ground. So, so it's sort of tricky where uh, it's the type of movie you either decide you're like, I'm, I'm betting hard on women talking, or it's just like, I'm, I'm not going to bet on this one at all. Um, and it's funny, I, I'm using a document that you would create bef just before New Year's. 
And uh, so the the odds have shifted around a little bit. And here I was going to be a bit of a contrarian uh, and have uh, the number 14 movie in the top 10. But uh, the new odds have All Quiet in the Western Front now at the number 10 slot. Uh, but yeah, basically, uh, it's it's as the top 10 currently is looking is for me, everything everywhere, Fableman's, Banshees, Top Gun, Tar, Avatar, Women Talking, Elvis, Babylon, and All Quiet on the Western Front. I, I feel like there's been a bit of a push to to recognize more international films at the Oscars. And, and it's something that like, I know as movie fans, we all love cinema from everywhere around the world, but sometimes I think people forget that the Academy is very specifically an American uh, institution. It is with mostly American voting members. It is based in America. So because of that, you're going to see more of a reflection and over-representation of American and English language films versus movies that come from other countries in different languages. That said, I feel like the way things have been changing the last few years, All Quiet in the Western Front is probably going to be this year's uh, film, not in English, that that cracks the uh, the group in at the um, uh, the the punishment of of Glass Onion. I I fear. Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel it is either a Glass Onion or uh, uh, All Quiet situation. It's not going to be both, right? So I I think we definitely agree there. Um, now, now, there were a lot, there were a couple of other potential contenders, right? So let, let let me bounce some of these other films off of you. Um, Living, I think, uh, has a pretty solid shot. I think it has two above the line nominations. Um, it's probably fourth for actor and then fifth for adapted screenplay. Um, which you know adapted screenplay is a little bit at risk, but I think it has very strong BAFTA support. Um, which obviously you know they they make up a, a big contingent. So I think you know. If for me in my head, these are the films that probably could push out Woman Talking um, if it continues to falter in the coming week or so. Um, so you know, Living I think uh, could probably take its place with you know a solid path for two above the lines. Um, I get a lot of pushback on Reddit uh, saying the whale has a valid path. Um, you know, I mean, I think Brendan Fraser is pretty much locked for actor. Um, it's like third or fourth for adapted screenplay, which is a relatively weak category. And then Hong Chao, as of today, when we were recording it, just got the SAG nomination for supporting actress. So, you know, supporting actress is a messed up category, but even without Hong Chao, that's still, again, two above the line nominations. It is the highest pretty the average film of the year. Uh, the biggest knock against it is I think that it is kind of divisive uh, in time, in terms of its reviews. Um, so, you know, it's probably going to be people, a lot of pe- some people's very favorite film of the year and then not so upon any ballots at all uh, for a lot of other people, which given it's a preferential ballot, uh, probably will, will impact it. Um, and then the last one, I think kind of that falls into this uh, really potentially completely Competing with a woman talking would be Aftersun, um, kind of like the little English film that could. It's a debut film by Charlotte Wells. Um, I am being kind of bold as a preview for the rest of the episode. I'm being bold in my criticisms. I think it's going to get two above the line nominations in director and actor. Um, uh, but, you know, I think it also it could very well play for original screenplay. That fifth slot is kind of up in the air. You know, it's NBR. It's on NBR's list. It's on many, many people's top 10 of the year, if not the best film of the year. Um, so I think Sight and Sound actually for their top 2022 list uh, ended up having uh, After Sun as their best film of the year also. So I think it's very well beloved. Maybe it competes with Living a little bit for um, kind of like the English uh, the English delegation support for, for a film. But I think, you know, if it can somehow swing the director race and or the actor race and or the original screenplay race, two of those three i think it, it'll probably get in um what about you know, i what, do you think those are, are viable threats or am i am i kind of like reaching for these 
Yeah, it, it's tough because like I look at the whale and Darren Aronofsky has never really been embraced by the Academy. And and I, I feel like the surest predictor of Academy success is sort of the types of people that they've gone for in the past and the types of movies that get nominated. And, and I'm not saying that like, um, you know, every Steven Spielberg movie is not going to, you know, dominate the field, but it's probably going to pop up in a couple nominations here and there as long as it's well received. And, you know, he, he pretty much never misses. So I look at that as a bit of an indicator of like, okay, new Steven Spielberg movie, regardless of kind of how it's seen, the Academy sort of likes him, so they're going to reward him in some way. I, I look at The Whale and Darren Aronofsky and his track record, and I I can't think, other than maybe a Best Supporting Actress nomination, I believe, that came um, for Requiem for a Dream, uh, and even that, I might be getting my information wrong because I'm pulling this out of my head right now. He's never historically done well at the Academy. So I think that's a bit of a knock Wasn't against Wasn't he Lex Water, though? He did. You're right. You're right. You're right. So uh, Natalie Portman did win Best Actress for that, but I believe it was shut out of just about everything else. Uh, so thank you for remembering that. That is accurate. Um but that's really overall. like Brendan Fraser, right? They love Natalie Portman, therefore they're going to go for Natalie Portman, not necessarily Darren Aronofsky. Yes, and that, that's exactly where where I'm sort of uh, thinking this is going. Uh, it, it seems like it's it's all but in the bag for Fraser. I think they're going to try to make it seem a little bit close as as award shows keep coming and going, and and you're going to maybe doubt yourself a little bit. But I think um, the narrative, which I think is another thing we often forget when we're trying to predict things, the narrative means a lot in a lot of these races, and the narrative behind Brandon. Frazier is so strong. I know we're going to del- delve deeper into best actor there. So that's sort of where I'm, I'm thinking. Um, and then as far as after sun, I haven't seen it yet, so I can't comment. Me too neither. Much I really, it. I really need to see it. I know I'm very excited for it. Uh, but yeah, it seems like every, I, I, I want to say maybe between two and four years, there's a super tiny indie film that all of a sudden picks up a ton of momentum right at the critical time. And, and sort of sneaks into like three, four, five different categories. And, uh, and I wouldn't be shocked if, if maybe, um, if, if After Sun was that this year. I guess you could sort of call it the, the Little Miss Sunshine effect where this like very, very small independent film uh, that could basically. I think if there was any other ones that are maybe in contention for the best picture to maybe knock things around a little bit, might be Triangle of Sadness. Ruben Ostland has one back-to-back Palm Doors. Uh, I, that, that's kind of all that's kind of going for it. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Triangle of Sadness probably gets. I, don't know, I have it. I have it like as fifth for uh, original screenplay, right? Which you know is not impossible. Again, there have been originals like one above the line nominees before. Um, I think it would be a lot more helpful if it if Dolly De Leon comes in for yes. uh, supporting actress again. That race is messed up right now, and you know, I don't. I wouldn't. I think if you're trying to predict again for a contest. Uh, Put place hedging your bets on Dolly De Leon being the thing that turns Triangle of Sadness to get a viable path uh, is probably not the the safest move. It could be very it it, it could be a, a high risk high reward prediction. I would say. I agree. Yeah, um, and then kind of like moving back to the the technical stuff a little bit. I mean, you know, all quite on the Western Front. You know, I could definitely see like if Babylon you know ends up missing, and if they put all quiet in for for glass onion um i could definitely see you know living or the whale coming in instead of babylon right so you know i definitely see kind of like those last two spots spots being a netflix film and then if it was everything if it was babylon glass onion if it was uh all quiet on the western front one of the uh, one of the three we just talked about i think yeah i, um, I think that, that's a fair assessment 
Yeah. And then, you know, we have some others like Black Panther, right? Angela Bassett just won the Golden Globe for Supporting Actress. Um, I think she'll probably get Supporting Actress nominations. He also got the SAG nomination for that just, just today. I have a five below the line nominations. I think, you know, if anything, this maybe competes with Avatar, perhaps, for, for 20th Century slash Disney's attention. Um, but otherwise, you know, I think I think people like Avatar a little bit more, uh, at least as of this moment. Yeah, yeah, that's it's tough because I feel like the first Black Panther had so much rave reviews and, and push behind it. And I was pretty disappointed by Wakanda Forever overall, despite Angela Bassett having a great performance. But yeah, it's the only thing maybe helping Black Panther is people say, oh, James Cameron's going to make what, like three more films. So, you know, we don't have to award him for this one. We can just wait until the fifth one and do pull a Lord of the Rings situation and award him <laughs> literally everything. Yeah. Woman King, you know, Viola Davis is probably going to get again, previewing the rest of the episode. Um, you know, I think uh, a, a best actress at this point, um, maybe costume, I think, for 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 below the line. But I don't think it has a viable path. You know, unless you go with like the one above the line, and then in I like the, that's only six percent. To its credit, it does have so it is being released by Sony, um, which doesn't really have a major contender yet. Um, if Sony goes with Living, I think it's kind of shut out at that point. Um, but other than that, I don't think it has a real viable path. And then Pinocchio, you know, I think you know animated. I think there was a hot minute when you know it, it was kind of in contention for adapted screenplay. Um, if it can surprise with adapted screenplay, it follows the path of Up and uh, Toy Story 3, um, which also were animated films that got adapted screenplay and score or sound and like a song or something to get in there. Um, but other than that, I don't think Pinocchio is going to get in at this point. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think Women King, you know, the, the first weekend that came out and the reviews were so strong for it and a lot of people advocating on its behalf you know, maybe looked promising, but that's now been a couple months and it hasn't really kept up its momentum. So, uh, so I agree with you that I don't think it's, it's, a, it's really in contention for best picture and, uh, and previewing me a little bit, maybe not for best actress either. Ooh, pretty, ooh interesting. Uh, and then of course, our, our, a lot of people really love our, um, it's just going to get song at this point. I think, I mean, there's a world where, you know, they have the same, uh, promoter, uh, campaigner as the person who did drive my car last year. Um, so if he can pull off his magic two years in a row, I mean, how's that for an international film being represented in Best Picture? Yeah, yeah. I I, I feel like RRR has the momentum of people wanting it, like really, really wanting it to be in contention, but I don't think it actually has the industry support behind it to get it across the line of getting these nominations. And and other than being a contender for song, I, I don't I honestly don't think it's a contender for anything else. I mean, imagine it being the second song. I have to double the stat on the number of films that have no above the line nominations and one song and only the song nomination. Yeah, and and you, you mentioned it before, it was Selma, and that was a very unique case where it came out so late in the year and didn't have, it didn't appear at festivals and didn't get any, like, other than, like, the advanced critic screenings. So it missed a whole chunk of awards time where it could have been racking up nominations and awards because it just wasn't available yet. And then it was just all of a sudden Selma for Best Picture it was, I think a lot of people were really hoping that uh, Ava DuVernay and uh, and even David Oyelowo would get nominations, but they ended up missing. And, and I think that was more a factor of its release date and strategy rather than anything else. And so I don't think it's it's much of a comparable for RRR. 
Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So I think, you know, you you basically are going with what Gold, Gold Derby has as of this recording. Um, you know, I have like kind of my whole flex situation for the last two slots, um, which means I can't decide. I'm a bad predictor at this point. But again, if I had to pick the last two, it would be Glass Onion and, and Babylon at this point for me. Um, okay, let's move on to the above the line nomination. So first off, we have director. Um, according to Gold Derby, we have a Spielberg for the Fablemans, the Daniels for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Field for Tar, McDonough from Banshees of Inisherin, and then James Cameron for Avatar in number five. Uh, number six, they have um, Sarah Poli for Women Talking. Um, also of note, as, as of this recording, uh, Joseph Kaczynski got in uh, for the Director's Guild Award for number five uh, nomination for number five. So you know. Uh, what do you have for your five for, for best director? So I, I think uh, Spielberg, the Daniels and Todd Field are the locks in my opinion, where where they're the three uh, that are really in the contention for, for best picture as well, where it's kind of a three horse race between those three movies. Interesting. I would say, I would say that, that Banshee's actually, I think is a little bit of a stronger contender than Taurus. I would have Madonna as a lock as well, but, but carry on. Yeah, McDonough is my number four, and he is like sort of right there, but just uh, just a hair below the other three. Um, and then you know that fifth spot is is one that I'm I'm kind of debating a lot about. I, I look at James Cameron, and you know uh, the the smart thing to say is never bet against James Cameron. James Cameron always wins, uh, except for the actual Oscar. Um, <laughs> but everything else, he does end up winning, and that's the money mostly. But I don't I don't hear enough buzz about him this time as far as the movie goes. And then, as I mentioned with Best Picture, Women Talking is the sort of dark horse of will it or won't it. And and Sarah Pauly, I think, has enough buzz behind her and probably a good solid chunk of support from the director's branch who've sort of always admired her work to, to maybe be the one that pulls ahead. And then, like, you look at the other ones, and and I don't know if Damien Chazelle uh, is going to get in there. Gina Prince-Blythewood is another one that's sort of uh, tough. Uh, Boz Lerman, I think, is dead in the water. Uh, so it, it's 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 really, for me, I think Sarah Pauly is going to take that last spot over James Cameron. But that's a bit of a high-risk, high-reward pick. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm even higher risk. Uh, I am going with one of my Hope Dixons and hoping that Charlotte Wells uh, ends up coming in for the fifth spot. I mean, part of this is I think, again, I'm on the opinion that woman talking is declining as time goes on. Um, So I could see it. I I think Sarah Polly is going to miss and woman talking could very well just miss entirely. Um, But I also don't think the Academy wants to go back to five dudes uh, or I guess in this case, six dudes since the Daniels are, are two guys, <laughs> yeah. um, but five dudes, uh, you know, for, for all five spots. So I, I think they want to have like a woman nominee. Um, you know, Sarah Poli is kind of like the safe choice for that. And from that regard, Gina prince Bythewood is another one. Um, but I would say Charlotte Wells. I think this is where Charlotte Wells can come in uh, and, and, and start building a path for after something get a nomination. Yeah, there, there's been three women in the last five years with nominations. Two of them have ended up winning. Uh, so I much like uh you know the way that the the academy has expanded their pool to make sure more international films are sort of gain recognition i think they've also been expanding their their pool of voters to really recognize the accomplishments in the seats at the table that women deserve in the conversation for the best directors and they're sort of as you know this year we're now able to talk about three movies that really have a contention between women talking women king uh and and after sun as being really strong contenders of, of being in the slot and i think that's a great thing for this 
conversation. And hopefully, you know, in the, in the coming years, it's not just, you know, three women fighting for one spot, but you know, it's three to eight women fighting for, you know, three to four spots sort of thing. But that's, uh, that, that's also a bit of a, a hope diction for the future. Yeah. I mean, another hope diction kind of goes, you know, it would be, it would be five dudes, but, uh, one of them would be international. Like, I'm kind of with hope, uh, it would be, it would be pretty awesome if a uh, Park Chan Wook finally gets long, long overdue recognition. Um, granted, I think it would probably be more a legacy career nomination if he were to get nominated for This Isn't Believe than, uh, say for The Handmaiden or, or Old Boy. Um, mm-hmm. but, you know, I, that would be a, a very inspired choice, I would say, if, if Park Chan Wook makes it yes that that would be pretty cool all right uh, any other thoughts on directors any other hopes for you or shall we move on to the acting no no i, I think uh i think we kind of know which ones are, are really in contention it's just uh how much do you want to bet or bet against james cameron is uh is a game you gotta play yeah fair enough uh okay moving on then to the acting so actress uh we have a very hot race and honestly i at least at the very top but i think honestly at this point, my opinion is that the five are locked. I think. Um, I think Kate. Bl- so one, Kate Blanchett for Tar, uh, who got a SAG nomination. Uh, two, Michelle Yeoh, who got Everything Everywhere All at Once, also got a SAG nomination, won the Golden Globe. Um, also, Kate Blanchett also won the Golden Globe for for drama. Uh, three, we have Michelle Williams, uh, which many people are calling category fraud, uh, but she is for the Fablemans. Did not get the SAG nomination, notably. Um, Daniel Deadweiler for Till, um, you know, got the SAG nomination, um, and then uh, Viola Davis. Uh, for Woman King got the SAG nomination. Now, I think Michelle Williams kind of carried, like, is, it's, I think between Deadwild and Williams, for if there's anyone at the risk, it's one of those two. Um, I think Davis has kind of solidified herself just by being, you know, one of the favorites of the SAG grants in general. Um, but I think Michelle Williams, uh, you know, it also has enough respect that even if, you know, maybe there are some mixed reviews of her performance, uh, which I thought was fine, right? Maybe not the best of the year, but definitely was fine. Um, and maybe I, I still think so they've been supporting. Um, I think still probably get nominated here. So I think honestly, it's probably these five. I mean, number six as of right now is um, is is Margot Robbie for Babylon. Which, having seen that, I don't see it happening. Um, and then Anna de Armas uh, got a Globe nomination and also a SAG nomination uh, today. So for Blonde, um, so that's going to be a controversial pick if she ends up making it into the five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it, it's definitely going to be between Blanche and Yao to actually win the award. It's it's going to be back and forth, I think, all season long, depending on the different guilds and award ceremonies that happen. Uh, Michelle Williams, I think, is going to be the nominee every single time as well, but going to be the the third place in every matchup that they they're up against each other. It's looking more and more likely like uh, Danielle Deadweiler is going to get nominated. She sort of is is picking up everything that she needs to along the way. And, uh, and you know, the, the last one is one that I, I kind of was debating a lot about. I know Viola Davis is respected by the Academy. I also know that Olivia Coleman is very respected by the Academy as well, uh, considering she's uh, she's got a win under her belt as well. But uh, Margot Robbie, I don't know. I keep coming back to this where uh, I haven't seen Babylon yet, so I can't I can't talk too much about my personal opinions on it. I just sort of have this bit of a weird gut feeling that Margot Robbie has really sort of made a name for herself these last few years. And it seems like every year she's a talk to be an Oscar nominee or winner as well. Uh, so I wouldn't be shocked. Originally back earlier in the season, I, I was really betting hard on the Anna de Armas comeback uh, for Blonde. But uh, yeah, that movie, I just, it, it's got too much baggage on it. And I don't think, unlike other movies where there, it might be flawed or not great, where there's a, a really solid lead performance, 
it's not like it's continuing the conversation. Like at least like for something like Till, the conversation is 100% centered around Deadweiler's performance and you're not really hearing much else. So I think that's strong enough that that's continuing. Whereas I think and Armis has sort of fallen off where the baggage has sort of overtaken any shot that they had uh, to get her in there. And also it came out too early. But, uh, but for my number five, I think I'm going with Robbie. Okay, interesting, interesting. Um, and then as far as hopefuls, right? I've, I've, again, I haven't seen uh two of these films, but I would like to see. I mean, again, another inspired choice if Vicky Kripes gets in for Corsades, um, Mia Goth for for Pearl or X, um, and then Tang Wei, uh, which I have seen for Decision to Leave, uh, would also be, I think, inspired choices as well. Yeah, I, I, I think uh, I would love to see Vicky Kripes get nominated. I was a big fan of Phantom Thread. Haven't seen Corsage yet, um, but uh, it would be kind of cool. And that was that was. Something I sort of t- toyed about a little bit of like, oh, maybe, you know, there's always sort of uh, one or two international films that sort of break out of their category and get a, a, a nomination here and there. And I and I toyed with Corsage being one that. Yeah, uh, I, I did really also actually up. before before Davis kind of, in, in my opinion, kind of locked up the the, the fifth spot. Um, I, I had I had a Corsage get, getting in here as well. But alas, I don't think it lasted. Moving on to actor, I think, again, this is similar to director and also to actors, frankly, where, you know, top four, pretty much locked, fifth one. One is kind of the one in contention. Um, for actor, we have first place Brendan Fraser from The Whale. You know, got the um, SAG award. Um, uh, second place, uh, two we have Colin Farrell for The Banshees of Inisherin. Um, also got the SAG nomination. Uh, three we have um, you know uh, Austin Butler who won the Golden Globe and also um, you know got the SAG nomination for Elvis. Um, fourth we have the BAFTA uh, nomination. Uh, Bill Nye for Living, um, best thing in that film apparently. Um, also uh, got the uh, SAG nomination so the fifth one is where it's interesting right now it's tom cruise uh for um tom cruise for top gun maverick um did not get a side nomination and then sixth is currently paul mescal for after sun which again which neither of us have seen um adam sandler got the sag nomination this morning for his work in hustle which i believe was a netflix film um so yeah i mean that is a that is a um Quite, quite the race with, with that fifth spot kind of being up for grabs, I think. Um, as of right now, I personally have Mescal uh, being in there, though there was a, a curveball I kind of want to throw into that conver- this conversation. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Uh, which one would that be? Um, so the, the main thing that, that, that I've, I've heard is that um, basically, if you look at this, Fraser, Farrell, Butler, Nye, and I believe Mescal have never been nominated for a Best Actor nomination before. Historically, you know, the Academy, I talked this last week with Whitney, that, you know, the Academy tends to award legacy to some degree, right? They don't ever want, I, they, I don't think there's ever been, to my knowledge, a, uh, a completely new uh, set of nominees that have never been nominated before. So in that regard, having five, act, five actors who have never been nominated for the category would be wild, I think, uh, and very much breaking with president. I think that's why a lot of people had Cruz in the fifth spot, perhaps, because he's been nominated before. Um, Mescal would not break that, uh, per se. Um, so kind of going through like kind of the other ones that could be like veterans, so to speak. I mean, you have Hugh Jackman for The Sun, right, which has had terrible reviews, um, aside from Jackman. Um, you have Adam Driver from White Norris, which is very, you know, mediocrely reviewed. Ralph Fiennes from The Menu. Um, and then Daniel Kaluuya from Nope. Um, so those are like the veterans who could come in. I could see how Tom Cruise would be that conversation of the fifth place. Um, I don't know. I feel, again, this is another spot where Cruise missing, um, like like Paul Mescal was never going to get the SAG nomination as a small indie film. Um, so I think Cruise missing the SAG nomination hurts, hit, hurts him more than it hurts Mescal missing it, right? So I think that's where Mescal can kind of come in and, and take that fifth spot. 
Yeah, it's sort of interesting where normally the best picture contenders are dominated by male-led performances. And so that's where you'll often get the case of like uh, several of the best actress nominees not being best picture nominees. And it's like the only nomination it gets. It's always a bit of an outlier there. But I, I look at this year and it's we've got several films with female fronted performances so it sort of makes the best actor race sort of seem a little bit more open as far as who's going to get nominated it really is going to be it's, it's brandon frazier's award to lose but i think colin farrell is going to be their lockstep every point of the way along this journey there with them and there's going to be a bit of this narrative well who's it going to be is it going to be frazier is it going to be farrell it can go either way i can see how it happens um i think that's something you know that's gonna that's gonna confuse a lot of people and make them you know you know, cast out on their judgment. It's still Frazier's to lose, but Farrell's going to be there right till the very end of the way as well. Butler, I think, is also sort of a lock, very similar to my opinion of Michelle Williams, where it's a quote-unquote two-horse race at the top with a third sort of always being there as well, but always coming in third place, and that's going to be uh, Austin Butler for sure. Bill Nye, I think he's going to get nominated, and I'm, and I'm including him in my predictions, but at the same time, this movie is so small, and if the British contingent doesn't all sort of throw their weight directly behind him... I could see him missing because it's not like it's, you know, uh, getting lots of money at the box office or, you know, a top performer on a streaming site or, you know, just getting rave review in the number one film from all these critics, which I think is something that maybe After Sun has a bit going for it. So other than the fact that Bill Nye is a, is a sort of a legendary career actor who this might be his one and only shot at getting a nomination, which would be fantastic. Like the man really is a legend. He's done it all from, you know, serious uh, dramatic work to comedy to uh, playing in the, I don't want to call it fantasy realm, but like the sort of stuff they did with like Pirates of the Caribbean where he was um, in that and, and did some great uh, mocap work. But uh, but I'm kind of with you with uh, with Paul Mezgal because I think Tom Cruise is going to miss. You know, as much as I, I appreciate that movie and I loved it, it's going to make my top 10 of the year list that I haven't formed yet. It's not because of his performance. As good as he is in it, it's not because of his performance. And I think we all know this. He has given better, stronger performances in the past, but this, this movie is not about his performance. Hugh Jackman faltering so hard with the sun. I think he's out of it. And then the other ones... The Academy is not nominating Adam Sandler. Uh, as amazing as he is, if he didn't get it for Uncut Gems, he's not getting it for this. Exactly, and that's it. He's sort of he's sort of gone the Eddie Murphy route of he's pissed off too many people. He usually doesn't actually care about campaigning. He's done shit movies that make you know his resume look weak, and and because of that, the Academy doesn't want to be like. And this is the year that we nominated Adam Sandler, despite the fact that he's gotten rave reviews for his performance in Hustle. Um, the other, you know, ones are like Diego Calva and Babylon, which really oh, there's true. no, I would have like, I would like that. Diego Calva, but I think he's also just too new. I think. Yeah. Um, and I, 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 will, I will follow his career with interest. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so for me, it, it's Fraser Farrell, Butler Knight, and then Mezcal. I, I'm, I'm sort of thinking in the same boat as you, where he sort of overtakes Cruz for the top spot or the fifth spot. Yeah. I mean, to speak of inspired slash hopeful picks, uh, Song Kang Ho for Brokers, which no one has seen, right? I love um, it. It was so good. Yeah, I heard it was really good. I mean, yeah, I, I, and it would kind of make up for him missing it in Parasite to some degree. Yes. Um, Timothy Salome, just for an excuse to watch uh, Bones and All for the Death Race. Which <laughs> it's a good movie. Um, and then I think, honestly, if I could pick who it should be, I think it should be Gabriel LaBelle from The Fable Mans. I think he is one of the most underrated parts in that entire film. 
Yes. I, I think the issue is if you say the name Gabriel Abel, most people are going to go, in what movie was he in? And if you have that reaction, that's really not good for his chances because it really seems like they're they're going hard into the um, Michelle Williams and then the supporting actor categories that they're they're really sort of pushing. I think they realize that that's where their best bets are. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm totally on board with the song Kang Ho. And you know what? I if you were to you know bet money on on an actual wrench being thrown into the mix, he was a good pick for that because of the fact that he missed for Parasite and there was so much buzz about that he should have been nominated uh, and maybe a bit of a a sort of a retroactive uh, justice for him. Yeah, I mean, I I think the movie's done too little in its limited release so far to really make an impact, unfortunately, but again, we can dream. Speaking of supporting actors, though, uh, we strap in the code. We're going in for supporting actress, which is always the the most most easy category to to pick each year. Um, So instead of the normal five, we'll just go through the top ten because they're all heavy hitters. Um, First place, Carrie Condon, Banshee's of Inisarian, got the uh, SAG nomination. Number two, Jamie Lee Curtis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, uh, also got the SAG nomination. Angela Bassett, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, SAG nomination, and also the Golden Globe win. Uh, Jesse Buckley from Woman Talking did not get the SAG nomination. Uh, and that went to Stephanie Sue from Everything Everywhere All at Once, who got the SAG nomination. Um, Dolly DeLeon got the Golden Globe nomination, uh, did not get the SAG nomination from Triangle of Sadness. Um, the SAG nomination did go to Hong Chow of The Whale. Um, we also have in eighth place, uh, Cleo Foy from Woman Talking. Talking, ninth place Janelle Monet from Glass Onion, and then tenth place Carrie Mulligan for C said. So just to put my five out there, I mean I I have Condon, Curtis, Bassett, Buckley, and then Hong Chow over Stephanie Sue. Um I think um I think Woman Talking still I think has a little bit of legs to it. Uh, we'll see if you know Cleo for if Cleo Four and Jesse Buckley don't split the vote on who should get the nomination for supporting actress. I think Buckley ends up getting in. Bassett, I think, is kind of like the uh, the veteran, so that this isn't completely isn't completely newcomers, and the Globe win helps a lot. Um, I think Curtis has wanted it for so long; he's campaigning really hard for it. Um, and Carrie Condon, I think, is the favorite to win, in my opinion. And I think like the SAG nomination for Hong Chow, uh, I think, gives it legs. I I don't know if if we'll get to everything ever at once nominee. So I would very much like to. I think uh, she's probably the most likely to kind of come in, uh, maybe perhaps for. Take take Jesse Buckley out of Stephanie Sue. Yeah, I, I agree with you that Carrie Condon is sort of the the one to to win at this point. She seems to have the most legs, and I think that probably also helps because we've got two movies here where there could be some potential vote splitting between Women Talking and Everything Everywhere, where they could very well both send two nominees. I wouldn't be shocked if it's uh, Buckley, Foy, Curtis, and Sue all end up being the other four, which in that case, basically start engraving Carrie Condon's name on the trophy now because of all the vote splitting uh, that might go on. Um, but that said, I, uh, you know, ba- Bassett's surprise win, I think it was a surprise in, in, in my eyes, sort of maybe changes it a little bit and sort of makes me hesitate a little bit. Originally, I, I did have Foy in there, but I'm, I'm also not. I I think there's going to be a bit of a push for Dolly DeLeon. Um you know, yeah, I would welcome that for sure. Yeah, yeah. It it sort of it sort of feels like um a little bit like the the nomination for uh, Minari last year, uh, the win actually two years ago. Uh, I'm I'm blanking on uh, the grandma's name right now. Yeong Yoon. Yes, yes. Um, sort of a bit of a surprise where it wasn't really. It, 
expect and then all of a sudden jumps up there and becomes a bit of a front runner. I don't think Dolly Leon's going to become the front runner, but that said, she really seems to be charming her way across these award shows and don't discredit what that can do for momentum. I mean, have you seen those Filipinos? We're all super charming, right? <laughs> yes, you you know how to talk your way through a situation uh, like Dolly DeLeon does in Triangle of Sadness. Absolutely. Uh, but you're right about Jamie Lee Curtis really campaigning hard, and and I think she's going to get it. But I do think Sue will be the the sort of fifth nominee. I'm a lot less confident in both Sue and DeLeon, but uh, those are a bit of my bold picks. So, so just to recap, who are your five? Condon, Buckley, Curtis, Sue, and DeLeon. Okay, okay. So you don't have Bassett in and you don't have Chow in either. All right, that sounds good. Um, yeah, I, mean, I don't think it's like, honestly, we, it's hard to even predict this nomination. I can't even say, like, we should, we, we can't really even do hope predictions at this point because, you know, every, everyone's hopeful at this point, I think. Um, moving on, though, to supporting, I, actually, your, your point about Yeon Jung Yoon, I think, applies more so to this category. Um, so I think she's more akin to uh, Ke Hoi Kwan, right? Kind of like, a, you know, somebody who you know, has had some history with the industry, but then, you know, has kind of has become this beloved figure who just like has the best speeches, basically, that everyone wants to feature them in their awards. So, so I think, you know, this is Kehun Kwan's from Everything Ever All At Once's nomination to lose, um, and in fact, category to lose, right? So he's in first place. Um, Brendan Gleeson, currently according to Gold Derby, is number two for Banshee's Vinicerian. Paul Dano for Fableman's, number three. Um, uh, uh, Barry Keegan from Banshee's, number four. Um, and those are the first four uh, SAG nominees. Uh, currently at number five on Gold Derby, we have uh, Judd Hurst from The Fablemans. Number six is Ben Wishaw from Woman Talking. Uh, and then also I'll, I'll mention number seven is by. Uh, Brian Tyree Henry from Causeway. Um, the last SAG nomination went to Eddie Redmayne from The Good Nurse. So I have the first four, Quan, Gleason, Dano, and uh, Keegan. And then I actually put uh, Eddie Redmayne uh, in for the uh, fifth. I think, you know, he's British, so I think he might get the BAFTA support to some degree here. Um, and then, you know, he has history, right? Again, kind of going with that, is it all going to be newcomers? He would be a veteran who could come in and be that kind of like other veteran. I mean, the other potential veterans, aside from Hearst, uh, would be Mark Ryland from Bones and All or Brad Pitt from Babylon or Woody Harrelson from Triangle of Sadness, which I don't really see those really happening at this point. So I think Eddie Redmayne is probably the safest, I think, uh, supporting actor to, to come coming in the fifth spot as a veteran. Mm-hmm. I, I'm i a huge fan of The Good Nurse and I would be very happy to see Eddie Redmayne make the cut, especially since he's a, a past winner that he does have that in his favor. But I'm going to be super boring and uh, and say I agree with the top five. Uh, and, you know, it's funny. I was joking around there with supporting actress that I, I had I almost had two movies take up four of the nominations. And here I am with saying supporting actor, two movies are going to take up four of the nominations. Gleason and Keegan from, from Banshees and, and Paul Dano and Judd Hirsch from the Fablemans. I think they're going to make the cut, but uh, as you said, it's Quan's award to lose. And, uh, and and I think he's sort of going to steamroll it all the way through to a win. And everyone's going to say that he had the best speech of the night. Yeah. I, yeah. Call that, call that a bonus question. Like who's going to have the best pizza of the night? Uh, Kei Kwan. I think, yeah, this is a more locked category than Avatar is for visual effects, frankly mm, speaking. Yes. Yeah. Um, as, as weird as that sounds. All right. <laughs> uh, moving on then, let's go to original screenplay. Um, the top six here, everything, every all at once, Bansies, Fablements, Tar, Triangle of Sadness, and number six goes to Aftersun. Um, as much as Aftersun would be an inspired pick, I just have the first five. Um, I think Triangle of Sadness does get a single nomination uh, all night, and this will be where, it, where it's at. 
Yeah, I can definitely see that happening. I think my uh, my wild card is instead of Triangle of Sadness, it's going to be Nope, just because the Academy does like Jordan Peele. So it wouldn't be uh, utterly shocking to see him uh, sort of get in there as well. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I think Everything Everywhere, Banshees, Fablemans, Tar are, are pretty much locks for this. And then I could see Triangle of Sadness, but I'm going with Nope. Yeah, I mean, I think this is like a very strong year for original screenplay. So those four make the last spot very difficult for anyone else to to come in, I think. Yeah, because we could also see, you know, as as sort of you've been hoping for a little bit, maybe this is one where After Sun can maybe uh, slide in as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, moving on to adapted screenplay. Um, a little bit of, you know, I think the first couple, you know, I, I have in the notes it says lock, but honestly, not as strong a year as opposed to, you know, as opposed to uh, original screenplay. I mean, Woman Talking, I think is kind of the only real safe nomination here. You know, Glass Onion, you know, the first one got an original screenplay nomination. This one's a sequel, so it'll be adapted screenplay. I think the fact that Glass Onion is coming in as the second screenplay, as a, as a, as a the second ranked adapted screenplay kind of shows how weak of a year it is for adapted screenplay, frankly speaking. Speaking. Um, not that it's a bad screenplay, this is that compared to other historical, you know, adapted screenplays, it's not quite as strong. Um, C said comes in for number third, uh, the whale comes in for number four, and then living comes in for number five, with all quiet on the western front, adapting the same source material as the I believe 1930 or something something in the 30s best picture winner. So has some legacy behind that. Um, I could see if you think that all quiet does get the, the does get a slot here, that, that definitely pushes it to best picture as well. Um, but I just have the first five. Uh, here yeah i i think this is also a bit of a a weaker category as well um and and so it's a bit tough to say uh all quiet on the western front i think is going to be one that maybe slides in there and it's actually based on a a very critically acclaimed book by uh, eric ramia Eric Maria Remark uh, that is sort of cited as one of the best anti-war films of all time. And the fact that it is then adapted from a, a previous Best Picture winner, I think sort of holds its way and sort of follows the this uh, trajectory of one uh, non-English film maybe getting a couple outside nominations as well. So this is one that I think I'm, I'm a bit higher on as well. But uh, Women Talking seems like the safest bet. Glass Onion, I think, because that was Knives Out. That was the one that uh, a lot of people were really hoping for as well. I think Glass Onion is going to get in there. She said in The Whale, I could see it. And then uh, All Quiet would be my number five. Okay. Okay. Um, also, you know, just shout out, you know, after Yang, you know, I don't think it's going to get it, but that would be an inspired choice. And then I really hope Pinocchio can somehow get that fifth spot. I just want Pinocchio just to have a, a viable chance to get best picture. Um, I know it's not going to happen, but I loved, I loved Pinocchio when I, when I saw it. So uh, that's my hope, but I don't think it's going to come true. Yeah, that, that, that's fair. Um, and Top Gun being in the conversation, I don't believe that at all. The, yeah, the script yeah. is not the strong point of Top Gun. Yeah. That's not why people are loving it. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Pinocchio, though, uh, it is, I think, uh, its category to lose for animated feature. Um, so the, the current top five are Pinocchio, uh, Turning Red from Pixar, Marcel de Selwood Suzon from A24, Puss in Boots from DreamWorks, and then fifth place is currently My Father's Dragon, the latest entry from Cartoon Saloon, currently on Netflix, has 
hasn't had that much buzz behind it, but it is from Cartoon Saloon, who currently has a 100% nomination rate uh, going for it. So, you know, that's definitely in their favor. Sixth Place is another Netflix film, uh, this top motion film by Henry Selleck, um, called Wendell and Wild, uh, you know, um, starring the voices of of Key and Peele. So, you know, I think that one came out a little too early. Um, Granted, it was around the same time as My Father's Dragon, but, um, I mean, I don't know. That fifth spot, I think, is kind kind of open. I don't think there are that many real viable contenders at this point though. i would love to see mad god from phil Tippett make it in um i don't think the academy is going to go for that likewise i would love to see misaki yuasa's inu o uh, get in it did get the globe nomination but i also don't think that's going to make it in i think the safest is probably going to be my father's dragon if you had to predict my my huge uh hope diction would be apollo 10 and a half i really love that and there's some controversy about that one where it was originally not eligible because the academy tried to say that rotoscoping is not animation which is you know such a silly thing to say and and uh, rotoscoping seems to be richard linklater's um animation style of choosing this is his third rotoscope movie uh and and it's so damn good this is definitely your category so i i feel like i need to defer to you a little bit as far as uh expertise but uh this is a weak year overall we we don't have you know turning red is there but like it wasn't like it was a, a banner year for pixar where it was you know one of the the best films of the year which you know some of their best usually are in that conversation it's not like disney had like a a, a real hit either strange world i, I yeah think i mean if strange best. world or lightyear had been even a half half as better as they currently are they probably would be in the conversation but i mean yes. those flopped financially and critically so i don't think that it's going it's going to make it yeah, yeah absolutely uh so you know pinocchio i think is is the main one to beat here uh it's definitely going to be the the front runner to win the actual award Marcel, the show shoes on, I think is a bit of a funny one. I know it's stop motion animation, but it's, it's shot in a real world. So I, I find it a little silly that it was allowed to be included. Not, not just if, if Apollo 10 and a half can make it, then we can allow Marcel Seuss. <laughs> See, for me, I would switch it the other way around and be like, yeah, but Apollo 10 and a half is more animated than Marcel the Shell. Um, as cute and adorable as it is, uh, it's, it's going to get nominated. Look, it's an A24 film. Just give it a pass already. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I mean, that, yeah. yeah, I mean, I will say, I think next year it was probably the year to keep an eye on animated um, between Spider Verse, the new Miyazaki film coming out, the hundredth year of of uh, of of Disney and their film Wish, and then um, Chicken Run Two uh, coming out. Mm, so, yeah, um, a lot of lot to look forward to next year for animation. But this year is going to be Pinocchio. Yeah, yeah. So my, my other ones is Pinocchio turning red, Marcel, uh, Puss in Boots, which seems to have some real legs to it as far as both box office and critical reviews. Oh, I mean, like, there literally has not been a well-received animated film since the Minions movie earlier this year. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, you had what? You had Lyle the Crocodile, you had Strange World, you had DC League of Super Pets or whatever. I mean, none of those were, you know, critical acclaim. So parents were hungry for something to bring their kids to watch yeah. uh, in theater. So so I actually think Puss in Boots might be the real uh, challenger for Pinocchio to actually win the award, uh, just because the Academy uh, is, is pretty god-awful at awarding correctly this category. Uh, and then uh, I originally was going to do Wendell and Wild, but uh, you're right. You can't you can't bet against Cartoon Saloon. They are uh, perfect. I believe four for four at this point with their nominations, and I think they they clearly have a a base group of voters 
who truly believe in the product that they are making uh, to always sort of include them. They, they, they do have the support there in the in the animation branch. Yeah, the one thing kind of working against them is I believe since they moved to Netflix this year, um, Netflix is now the one distributing them and not G-Kids, who, they, who was previously the distributor. So we'll see if that affects their campaign chances at all. Um, I believe G-Kids would probably be focusing on Inuo, actually. So that could be like a bit of a shakeup. Interesting. Um, anyway, moving to the other kind, moving then to international. We mentioned All Quiet a couple times. Um, that is uh, currently number one for international feature. This isn't Leave Park Chan Wook from Korea as uh, number two. Close from I believe Belgium is number three. Argentina 1985 is the Golden Globe winner uh, from Argentina. Obviously, that is number four. And then EO, uh, I believe your favorite film of the year, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> uh, from Poland uh, is the uh, is the fifth film uh, in the race currently with uh, Netflix's Bardo from uh, Alejandro Iñárritu um, uh, from Mexico as kind of like the number six film at the moment. So, you know, obviously you have EO uh, in your bet, I bet. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I mean, I just, I'm just going with the top five at this point. Um, I mean, my logic is All Quiet and This Isn't Believe are both, you know, very well acclaimed at this point. I've won most international awards that where it didn't go to RRR, who was not submitted uh, for India's film this year. Um, Close got a lot of acclaim out of uh, out of Cannes. Um, I think Argentina 19 and then EO, you know, has also had a lot of really strong passionate support of it. It's even gotten some technical awards from other film critic circles like uh, score or cinematography um, so I think it, it has some basis there um, I think Argentina 85 1985 I originally actually had out um, uh, but I think with the Golden Globe wins that puts eyes back on it and frankly right like um, this would be what three European films one Asian film one Latin American film I think you know the, the Academy doesn't really like to have an overly European focus here like last year they had like Lunana the, the Yak movie basically um so i think they'll, they'll throw they'll try to have like a bit of a diversity in uh in in countries and you know this isn't believe probably takes you know the quote-unquote asian spot right um so we'll see if uh, if argentina 1985 can be that latin american representative yeah this is a this is a bit of an interesting category to predict you know you could probably safely say all quiet and decision to leave are, are the two front runners as you're mentioning there and, and outside of that you know, any sort of momentum you think a film has, you could be completely wrong. The international voters uh, are a bit of a smaller group, so they can sometimes do some surprising things that we don't expect to happen. And one of the things that makes this category a bit hard to predict is there's usually at least one, sometimes two, movies from countries that we don't typically see a lot of films from. And and so you you wonder what are going to maybe be those uh, potential so, spoiler alerts. This I year. would say my predictions for that would probably be Return to Seoul from Cambodia. Um, that one's been having a lot of really great reviews. I think it had to get to a limited release, um, like Oscar qualifying release in December. Uh, I think I, it has like one of the highest Rotten Tomatoes or Metacritic scores that I've seen so far. It, it's screened at Cannes, right? So I think uh, from Cambodia, I think it's a, I think it's a, I think Return to Seoul would be an interesting film. Um, so I think that, that might be a contender for like kind of like that film from a country no one really knows. I've also heard a lot of really good things about The Quiet Girl from Ireland. It's like an Irish language film that also had a really, really high uh, Rotten Tomatoes Metacritic score. Um, so I believe those two would probably be that profile of film that you're looking for. 
Yeah. So other than the top two that I just mentioned right now, you know, for this, this category is sort of easier to just go with what you think are the safer picks, uh, because you're probably gonna lose out on it regardless. So for me, I want to get like you, uh, switch to Argentina 1985 as well, just today, uh, EO and Bardo are the other ones. And to explain the joke about EO is we're involved in a, uh, fantasy awards, uh, fantasy movie league. Uh, it's kind of like fantasy football. It's put on by uh, a mutual friend of ours, John. Uh, yeah, who's been on the show. He's been on the yes, show. Yes, he has. Excellent episode. Uh, and I'm hoping to have him on, on my show as well. Uh, EO is is a movie that I had drafted. And uh, a couple people have tried to trade for it or talk me out of it. And uh, I'm sort of sticking with it. I haven't seen the movie yet. Hey, so stick with the donkey. Comments. It's the best donkey of the year between <laughs> EO and uh, and Jenny from Banshees of Inisherin. Absolutely. It's the year of the donkey. Um, I mean, other th- other films to maybe consider, I would say Saint Omer from France uh, has had a lot of pretty good buzz around it. I mean, I feel like you know Chloe Zhao has really gone to bat for Bardo, um, and I think it's picked up a couple of like cinematography nominations as well. So I think Bardo could maybe you know sneak a nomination despite the subpar reviews in this league from its release. And then we've met some Corsats from Austria, right? Vicky Kripes in, in acting, and then I, I will want to say like the fact that India did not nominate RRR but did nominate a film called Last Film So which is like a very Oscar-y, like power of movies type film. And it did make the sort list. I think does speak that there is some credence to last films, last film. So from India, potentially having some, some potential again, maybe as a, as a country that you don't normally expect to see a film out of, though I don't know if they would go with the blowback uh, of, of not getting RRR. Yeah, I, I think that is actually going to hurt them uh, because I think there's going to be voters who are like, well, I want an RRR. I'm not going to vote for the other movie because I, I, I don't want to compromise myself. That's the one I wanted to go for. So I think that's actually going to hurt its chances. Um, in my number five spot, I do have Bardo. I know it's going to make the in- film Twitter explode in anger because – they hated this movie so much. Uh, but like, I wouldn't bet against Inuritu at the Oscars. He has too strong of a track record uh, to be there. But um, yeah, the other ones say Omar, Holy Spider, Return to Soul, Corsage, Joyland are all ones that I could definitely see a, as players in those final three spots. It's a, it's a very good year for international film. Absolutely. Uh, I would say, yeah, if, if I had to pick one to remove, I would say Argent, I would probably take out either close or Argentina 1985, probably Argentina 1985 for Bardo if I had to. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, all right, to the last kind of like special feature category, we have documentary, which is always a really hard category to predict. Um, so we have All the Beauty and Bloodshed, All That Breeds, Fire of Love, Navalny, uh, Descendant, and then Moon Age Daydream as the top six. Um, I actually originally, like as right now, as I look at it now, I currently have the top five as my prediction. I'm actually going to audible live on air and uh, and take out Fire of Love. I'm actually going to say my Hope Dixon comes true. I'm going to say Bad Axe comes in as the uh, sixth film as the fifth film this one's a documentary about i believe like an asian owned business in like midwestern united states um who kind of deals with post-covid 19 anti-asian racism i mean partly is a little bit biased you know i'm really involved in like, the asian american community so i really would want to see it do well um but i can also see it being a very timely film especially you know if there's like a surge in asian american interest uh in the oscars you know with michelle yo and kehoe kwan and everything ever all at once coming in uh and this isn't to leave even an rrr i could see bad acts kind of like riding that wave to some degree yeah the documentaries is another one that's a little bit tricky to um to predict there's been years where the one that we expect to be the front runner to win the award doesn't even get a nomination the documentary branch is is, is wild and all over the place so it's it's definitely a, a bit of a tricky one some things you have to look 
uh, that I find are a bit helpful is uh, not just the narrative of the film, but what is the political narrative of the film? And that's something that kind of helps. You know, I, I feel like Navalny has been slipping a little bit, but in my opinion, I think Navalny is actually the front runner to win the award with the way the um, the Ukrainian invasion has been going and how demoralizing it has been for a lot of the world to sort of see the the suffering that's been going on in Ukraine and this aggression from Russia. So because of that, I would not be shocked in the slightest to see Navalny actually win the award. Also on a, you know, a side personal note, it would be really cool because the the director, Daniel Rower, uh, went to the same high school as me. We didn't go at the same time. He started a year after I graduated, but regardless, it's pretty damn cool to imagine that uh, a guy that went to my high school might win an Oscar this year. Hey, you should interview him on the podcast regardless if you haven't already. <laughs> he is uh, unfortunately a little too famous at this point. I, uh, I try Tried to I reach him out, reach out to him a couple of times this past year for different things, and I never heard back. So uh, I've got no luck right now. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I don't know. I mean, just going through these. I mean, all the beauty and bloodshed is like the first documentary in the wild to win the Venice International Film Festival. And I think politically, right, it's about you know the opioid ep- epidemic, which you know, I mm-hmm. think is, is always going to be relevant for a while. Um, all that breeds is a bit more of an international take. It's you know about these these brothers in India who help cure birds, um, but it's also kind of like a metaphor for Delhi itself, which is going through like political situation at the moment. Um, Fire of Love, I don't think really has one at the moment. I think this is like the one. The reason that that's partly the reason why I audibled out of it. I mean, also the if the Academy would not give Apollo Eleven documentary uh, oh, with newfound start. archival footage uh, a chance, I don't think it'll give the archival footage of these volcanologists a chance. Partly because I also didn't like the documentary that much, frankly speaking. So um, I know it's been cleaning up at the various documentary awards, but I don't think it's going to pull through here. And then the last one we, we already mentioned Navalny, um, descendant. I think um, you know it's, it's by the Obama co- uh, company, um, Higher Ground, same company that got um, American Factory a win and Crip Camp a nomination. So I think they're a pretty safe bet uh, in terms of, of, of who will get in. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm mostly on board. You know, I've got all the beauty. Fire of Love, I think, might, uh, might sneak in there. Because there, there's also sort of that one oddball pick every year that's not political in the slightest. Octopus teacher. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I also think of something like Free Solo as well, which ended up winning. Obviously, that was very different with its absolutely striking photography. Uh, Fire of Love, you know, much like I, I think Apollo 11 uh, is a very apt comparison for it as far as the use of archival footage in stunning detail uh even if it isn't in like super crisp you know 4k um still offers a very unique insight into the world that uh, we don't usually see uh so i've got that navalny descended i'm not at this point i'm not betting against the obamas and then bad acts because uh as sort of like you were saying uh the the topic behind it. I think it's a, a still a bit of a timely issue and I think it might get the nomination due to its uh, political uh, undertones. So are you or, or leaving out all that breeds then? Yes. All that breeds and Moon Age Daydream, I think are going to miss the cut. Okay. Okay. Um, I also will say, I think the territory probably is like another potential contender yeah. as well. Yeah, um, absolutely. I don't know what I would compete with. I think for me, maybe it would compete with um, probably Navalny or all that breeds for me personally. I mean, I, I haven't see. seen Navalny, so I can't really say, um, but yeah. Um, all right, moving on to the technical categories, then we have editing. And as we noted, editing is kind of a very strong precursor for Best Picture. So you're going to see a lot of Best Picture contenders here. Um, the top six here, first is Top Gun, for obvious reasons. Uh, number two, Everything Ever All at Once. Number three, Elvis. Number four, Fablements. Number five, Avatar. And number six, Glass Onion. Um, 
I personally have uh, Top Gun, Everything, Everywhere, Elvis, Skipping Fablemans, uh, Avatar, and Babylon getting in. Again, I think I have a little bit of recency bias with Babylon coming off of seeing it fresh. Well, I was really impressed by the editing going on in there. Um, I don't know. I Maybe betting against the Fablemans and Spielberg is not the best idea, uh, but I'm going to stick with that for now. Yeah, I'm I'm going to bet with the Fablemans. For me, I've got Top Gun, Everything Everywhere, the Fablemans, and then jumping down to Avatar and Banshees. Uh, oh, I, yeah, I love Austin Butler's performance, but other than that, nothing else for Elvis really worked for me. Okay. Um, and then shout outs, I think, to other films. I think Tar had really great editing as well. Yep. Um, very A little bit more subtle, I think, than than, than Zoe, right? Um, I, I've heard from like editing friends that this was really well done editing. Um, this isn't to leave. I think had spectacular editing um, as well. And then I think it would be really cool to see Glass Onion maybe a nomination here. But I think there are so many good ones here. I think it, it kind of is, is struggling to find a place. All right. Anything, any, any other thoughts on editing? No, you, you know, this is a, a very strong precursor for Best Picture as well. And I think uh, between Everything Everywhere, Fablemans, Banshees and Avatar, you know, those are those are some of the stronger contenders. Top Gun, I think, is going to get into Best Picture, but it's a bit of a shoo-in for most of the technical categories as well. Um, so, I, you know, you're talking about Roots, and it's going to be one above the line and, like, probably four to six below the lines. Uh, yeah. It's going to be a popular one right up there with Avatar. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, and then moving on again, editing is very closely, as we noted, to sound, as I have mentioned previous years. I won't go into all the details again, but the winner of editing always tends to be the winner of sound. So in my opinion, I think Top Gun will probably win both. Um, though I have seen people say speculate maybe everything everywhere takes editing right and, and ends up winning best picture I don't know about that uh, but right now I have uh, so the top six on uh, Gold Derby which is a shortlisted category uh, Top Gun Avatar all quite on the western front Elvis Babylon and everything everywhere all at once um, I actually have a very similar list uh, for obvious reasons to my editing list so I have also have Top Gun in both I have Avatar in both um, I have Elvis in both, and I have Everything Everywhere All at Once in both. The ones where I differ are I have Babylon in editing and then All Quiet in sound. I think a war movie definitely fits in, I think, with the sound film profile. Um, I guess another shout-out for another film potentially would be The Batman, um, which I think will get a nomination. I don't know. I think sound is, again, very stacked this year, so I don't know if, if Batman is able to make it in. Yeah, sounders often, sound and visual effects often have uh, some movies that aren't so good in the conversation. And uh, for this year, for sound, I think they're all, you know, for the most part, pretty well received and, and well liked. Top Gun, you know, it's funny. Uh, there's, there's usually two types of uh, top winners at the Oscar. There's the, there's the movie that wins Best Picture and, and sweeps all the above the lines uh, and some of the below the lines. And then there's the technical Marvel movie that wins uh, all the below the lines. And ends Which up having often ends up having the most wins of the night. Yeah, and, and I could definitely see Top Gun being that movie this year where it walks away with maybe five awards and all of them are technicals. And so uh, I have it at the top of my sound list as well. Avatar is going to be there sort of nipping at its heels the whole time. Elvis, the sound was great. The way they they were able to blend Austin Butler and Elvis's voices together uh, in some of the scenes was, was pretty remarkable. And also, you know, there there's a couple things that the Academy likes in this category, and that's war movies, and that's, you know, uh, movies with 
lots of music, whether it's a musical or not. And I, I would call Elvis not quite a musical in the in the traditional sense, but it is like sort of borderline there. And it's a type of movie that the Academy likes. All Quiet, I've got there as well. And uh, yeah, I'm going to be a little bit bold and say the Batman. You know, it's got enough uh, bang bang going on in it that uh, I could see the Academy being uh, a fan of. I mean, it's an elevated, it's like, it's kind of like Logan or Joker. It's an elevated comic book movie. So exactly. All right, fair enough. Uh, well, speaking of the Batman, it was kind of a crime that uh, Michael Giacchino was not nominated for a score in the shortlist for Batman this year. So uh, leaves a little bit more room for other people to come in. So right now, the top six on Gold Derby, Fablemans uh, with John Williams, Babylon from uh, Justin Hurwitz, uh, who won the Golden Globe uh, category, Woman Talking from uh, Hilda Gornendorf here, who did get Woman Talking. Uh, Tara, was, her other film for the year, was uh, deemed ineligible. Um, we have Banshees of Inisarin from Carter, uh, and then Pinocchio's uh, score from Alexander Desplat, and then Ludwig Göransson, who I am writing uh, to many points in our fantasy league for his original song uh, for Black Panther, uh, Wakanda Forever. I'm boring. I just have the first five in here. I think if Batman had been in here, definitely would have gotten a nomination, but I think just the, the top five are too strong to miss. Um, and frankly, I agree with many people's assertion that uh, Babylon was the best score of the year, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't have a, a ton of thoughts on this category at all, so I'm going to be boring as well. I've got the top four, and then uh, in the fifth spot, it's Black Panther over Pinocchio for me. Um, yeah, I, I I really haven't uh, delved deep into these scores enough to have much to say. And all the top players are uh, are names that the Academy is familiar with, and I can definitely see them going with. Yeah, for sure. Um, moving to cinematography, a lot of uh, very notable names uh we have you know we have a uh, top gun maverick uh number one fableman's number two avatar number three all quiet on the western front number four babylon number five and then empire of light with roger deakins number six um also kind of like noteworthy in this category we have nope uh you know uh we have decision to leave darius Conzi from bardo he got mm. a, a, a the cinematographer guild uh nomination so he's he's a he's a well-known factor as well um i mean one thing that i've heard is that bardo is very well sought if very long so who knows uh, maybe he could be another contender that's a surprise in here as well yeah I, I can also see that as well for me I, I think Top Gun is is the one to beat for this Fablemans and Avatar are going to be up there too Banshees I think it's going to you know this is maybe going to be a bit of a residual nomination it gets from, from Banshees or Babylon Banshees of Inishirin. Oh, so you you have Banshees in here. I didn't have I didn't have Banshees not in the top six, so that's a bit of a bold move. Yeah, so that, that's a bit of a bold one for me. I think it's going to pick up a couple interesting nominations after you know getting uh, picture, director, actor, supporting actor, supporting actress. Uh, I can see it getting a couple below the lines, and this is one I could see picking up. And then the bold one is uh, is Empire of Light. You know, it got really terrible reviews for the most part. Um, Roger Deakins is a god, so uh, I'm I'm always in favor of him getting recognized. Uh, regardless uh but i could see that he probably might have enough uh fans in his corner to uh, want to go with that and the one thing that i hear about this movie i haven't seen it yet is that it is stunning to look at even though the rest of it is crap <laughs> mm. so you have uh so you have a uh, babylon out as well. i do yeah so yours was top gun fablements avatar empire and and um and Banshees. uh Banshees. yep all right Okay, moving to some uh, other getting getting to the home stretch, uh, we have your uh, area of expertise, uh, production. Um, <laughs> so we have uh, in the top five, top six here. We have Black Panther, Babylon, Avatar, Elvis, Fablemans, and Glass Onion. Um, I personally have the top four: Black Panther, Babylon, Avatar, Elvis, and then I'm skipping over Fablemans and Glass Onion. I'm going to say everything ever all at once. Uh, this is, I think, maybe a bit more of a hope Dixon than anything else. I think maybe logically it would be Glass Onion more so than the Fablemans for me, but um, I'm I'm just hoping. 
everything everyone owns can somehow get the most nominations of the night and this would be one of them well uh minor correction uh Production design and what I do, uh, production assistant are very, very different. Production design is set design. Uh, okay, fair enough. I was making the deal, but yeah, go, go for it. <laughs> and I, I work in the locations department in film. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I think we've got some pretty strong contenders. Black Panther, Babylon, Avatar, and Elvis are my top four. And I'm also going to skip over the Fablemans and go with Glass Onion. Uh, it's, it's a very stunning set that they have and, uh, and wouldn't be shocked if, if that's the one that makes the cut. Okay. Uh, costume, again, another very, very close to production design. Uh, we have, you know, the top six, Black Panther, Elvis, Babylon, Woman King, Fablemans, and Everything Ever all at once. Um, so I have the top four, Black Panther, Elvis, Babylon, Woman King. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go do a bit of a screwball. I'm going to say Mrs. Harris goes to Paris, gets oh. a single nomination this year. Jenny Beaven uh, has like 18-something nominations for her costume work over the year. So she's a very safe bet. Um, I will also say maybe Corsades you know, kind of that period piece in the fancy European dresses could also very well be a sneaky uh, nominee here. Though I, I would give the favor to Mrs. Hare, to, to Jenny Beaven just being a known quantity within the uh, Academy at this point. Yeah, I'm going to be very bold and not include Black Panther at all. Uh, I thought the costumes were great in the first, but I don't think they evolved enough in the second one uh, to to truly be unique. And I think they're relying a bit too much on CGI. Uh, so I'm I'm not super confident about that. Uh, maybe that's just my personal feelings. Elvis going to be there. Babylon going to be there. Woman King. I I am a little bit surprised, but like it really has been picking up steam in this category, and, and can see it being there. Uh, I'm going to make you a little bit happy and say everything everywhere. And then my crazy off the board pick is Corsage uh, being in there as well. Awesome. Well, I would not be as opposed to seeing, to having your, uh, your film speed a list. Uh, so yeah. Um, and then, uh, last time, uh, then we have, uh, makeup, uh, which is another sword listed category. I think this is a very easy one. Uh, we have, uh, whale, Elvis, Batman, Babylon, Black Panther, and all quiet as the top six. I'm simple. I just go with the top, with the top five. Mm, okay. That's fair. I'm going with the top four and then adding blonde in, uh, in there as well. Yeah, me, again, people are not going to be happy with if Blonde gets in there for the death race purpose. It's a three hour, another three hour movie adding to the list. Um, but yeah, I mean, I could definitely see Blonde getting in there. It also got Swartless, I believe. It got the the makeup guild as well. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, All Quiet. Uh, I was running it in our uh, make in our fantasy league for this for this matchup. Completely whiffed at the makeup guilds, uh, which yeah. definitely set me back a little bit. So, um, yeah, hopefully uh, I, I don't miss out on nothing. I will say it would be, again, inspired pick if they run Crimes of the Future. In oh, the yeah. <laughs> um, not going to happen. Genre film. I mean, yeah, but that would be amazing, I think, if, if that were to happen. Yeah, there, there's a little bit of buzz behind it, but I think it's mostly people hoping for it rather than being logical. Serious, about it. yeah. Um, who knows? Who knows what happens at the Bake Off? Uh, you get they have to like sort the, the the stuff anyway. Um, and last kind of like uh, well, okay, second last category we have uh, for feature films visual effects. Again, another sword listed category: Avatar, Top Gun, Black Panther, Batman, Doctor Strange Two, and All Quiet are the top six. Um, I previously had Nope in here as my fifth pick. I'm going with the top four. Um, for sure, Avatar, Top Gun, Black Panther, and Batman, um, which all, honestly all are really good films. Normally, you just get like kind of like the random Marvel film, which doesn't get any other nominations or whatever, uh, like Jurassic World or whatever. I'm really happy with like the, the top four here. Um, all Quiet is my current fifth pick, but I did have a nope for Hot, hot Second um, for visual effects. 
I'm in the same boat as you. Uh, I'm shocked this category is actually decent for once, which is uh, a far cry from stuff like Real Steel being nominated. And oh boy, was that a bit of a slog to get through that one year. Um, I agree with you. The top four I, I'm going with, and then I'm sticking with with Nope. I think there's enough there of it being so unique and interesting in the fact that most of the alien stuff takes place in broad daylight, so we actually get to see this creature uh, is something I think uh, some people will appreciate. I think if I think if All Quiet gets the best picture, I think maybe maybe this is why maybe I should put All Quiet into my top ten. Um, yep. If All Quiet gets best picture, I think it gets visual effects. If it doesn't, I think it's going to go to Nope. Probably. I think that's a fair assessment. All right. And then last feature category. It's not really a feature. Uh, we have the infamous uh, original song category. Um, <laughs> as, as fans of the show know, um, you know, you can't just watch the, uh, the, the, you can't just listen to the song. You have to watch the entire movie, um, which made, has made for some interesting years. Um, the top six current nominees are Natu Natu from RRR. Uh, just won the Golden Globe for that. Uh, Lift Me Up by Rihanna from, from Black Panther. Hold My Hand from Lady Gaga for Top Gun Maverick. Xiao Papa from Pinocchio and then our always favorite applause from Diane Warren for the film Tell It Like a Woman which I'm still not as convinced is a fil- real film I don't think it's <laughs> shown more than a single weekend outside of a single theater in LA or in like an, an overseas film festival so hopefully I mean good on you Diane Warren but also like couldn't your film be a little bit more easy to access for the death race? Um, and then sixth place is uh, Taylor Swift uh, with Carolina from World of the That Sing. Uh, her only nomination or potential nomination this year after um, whatever her film was. I refuse to learn the name of that sort film that everyone was hoping would get a live accent sort, uh, did not get shortlisted. So um, I'm going, I mean, Natu Natu, I think, has all the momentum behind it. Um, you know, Lift Me Up, I mean, Rihanna's return, Lady Gaga's a perennial favorite at this point. Um, I feel like Pinocchio's the obligatory animated film song to get in there. And then you never, like you don't bet against James Cameron for the box office, you never bet against Diane Warren for original song. <laughs> yeah, we don't talk about uh, Breakthrough on this show. Um, yeah, this is this is an interesting category as well. I feel, once again, you know, considering uh we normally get some some real crap movies in this category it looks pretty decent overall as far as the contenders i agree with you rr black panther top gun are probably the top three safe picks to go here uh after that i think i'm gonna go with um the song from till stand up and the song from avatar you give me strength um, I, I don't really have much of a reason behind it. Usually there's a, a bit of a political song and we might have that with lift me up, but I think stand up from till might uh, also get in there from that, uh, that realm of the world. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, I could see avatar just sort of, you know, getting nominations and a whole bunch of stuff. My, um, my dark horse dream would, uh, would be just to see LCD sound system at the Oscars. They did the song for white noise, new body rumba. And, uh, as a, as a fan of them, it would just be cool to kind of see them playing at the Oscars cause they don't really fit in there. <laughs> so wait, so which one are you leaving out from your, from your nominations then from the top? So five? I'm doing RRR, Black Panther, Top Gun, Till and Avatar. So you're leaving out Diane Warren. Bold I am. Yep. I'm sorry. I refuse to put that into the universe so I don't have to watch that stupid movie. Fair enough. Uh, if we can even watch it. Oh, God. That would be such a <laughs> terrible film to, to try to hunt down. I will say, though, uh, Natu Natu should win, and I think, at this point. I mean, I think Rihanna, you know, with her comeback. But in terms of should win, uh, I mean, it's, it's, one of the, it's one of the only two films that actually passes the Jeff rule among the top five. Uh, which is for people who don't know, a friend of the show, Jeff from Classic Movies Live, um, has a rule where if a film, 
if an original song actually matters to the plot of the film, uh, is when it's actually a good contender for original song. So uh, not to not to, you know, they, you have a whole dance battle going on in there, and then Xiao Papa is actually in the middle of the film, not just over the credits. Um, my inspired pick, you want else you you want new body rumba from White Noise. I want Spirited, uh, the Spirited song to get in there, so we can get uh, Will Ferrell and Ryan and 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 Ryan Reynolds uh, singing on stage at the at the Oscars. Yeah, that would be pretty funny. But right. uh, that that falls into the Eurovision category of uh, of desires. <laughs> hey, I would totally take that as a as my final film of the year. I I always end on a sort on a on a song sort listed on a song film, uh, which you know I mean I've seen all of these except Black Panther. So I mean if it's going to be end up being what I predict and, and Tell It Like a Woman is going to be my last film for the year this year. So uh, <laughs> we'll see. Um, we'll go through the swords. I don't think I'm not going to make Dakota predict the swords because no one knows the swords. But just to run through what Gold Derby currently has for the top five. Um, for animated we have The Boy, The Mole, The Fox, and The Horse. Um, we have number two, New Moon. Three, we have Save Ralph which is like a film from Taika Waititi for like, uh, like Greenpeace or some other like animal advocacy group. Um, we have Number four, My Year of Dicks. Uh, number five, The Flying Sailor. Um, for sword documentary, we have Flag Makers, uh, Elephant Whispers, 38 at the Garden, which is a documentary about Jeremy Lin, which I'm actually pretty excited for. Um, for How Do You Measure a Year, uh, obviously 525,608 minutes. Um, we have Holding Moses. And then number six, and then, for sword, and then for sword live action films, we have Le Pupil, An Iris Goodbye, The Red Suitcase, Warsaw, and Nakam. So yeah, those are all the films. Um, I tabulated, I don't know if you did this, uh, Dakota, but I tabulated up all of my uh, films and how many nominations they get. Um, I currently have Everything Ever All at the Once with the most, uh, eight nominations plus Best Picture, so nine total. Um, Banshees, seven plus Best Picture for eight. Uh, Fablemans and Elvis for six nominations plus Best Picture each for seven. Uh, Top Gun and Avatar for five each and Best Picture for six total. And then Tar for three plus plus. Three, Tar and Woman Talking for three nominations and Best Picture for four total. And then Babylon uh, for uh, uh, seven total, uh, including Best Picture. Um, and then Glass Onion is my last Best Picture with three plus four plus Best Picture, so four total also. So um, overall, I counted that this would be 39 total features, um, which if you include the 15 sorts, uh, would be 53 films total, which is pretty much in line with what we, what we have for an average death rate. So I think this list probably will vary maybe by like a film or two maybe, but I think this is like a very close list to what we're looking for. We're looking at. Yeah, it's probably a slightly on the lower end of averages, but it's sort of right there in the mix of it. I know there's been some years where it's been like 58, 59, uh, movies that we've had to watch, uh, and that's obviously in the higher end. But uh, yeah, you're you're probably right. It's probably going to be between fifty three and fifty five this year. It sort of seems like the main contenders are the main the same across the board. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so yeah, I mean, we're already an hour and a half in the episode, so I don't want to take up too more much more of your time, Dakota. But it's always a pleasure to have you on. Do you have any closing thoughts looking back on the race? You know, just kind of looking back over all of your predictions. Like, how excited are you for the race? Looking at this, you know, how you know what 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 do you think the race has in store for us with all this? I, I'm excited. I think there's there's some pretty con- competitive categories. You know, even just looking at picture, is it going to be the year of everything everywhere? Is Fableman's going to come out on top? Is I'm Banshee's manifesting everything everywhere. You, if you if you listen to the episode with me and Jeff uh, and Pierre, we definitely man- manifested everything everywhere. Uh, so yeah, definitely that. Yeah. So there, I, I think there's enough options up there to sort of be in contention that it's going to make this uh, this next little while pretty interesting. There's a couple locks. For the most part, it seems like it is, but uh, 
but I don't think there's enough to really make this a boring year. It really just sort of highlights the the movies I haven't seen yet that I'm I'm very excited uh, to see still. You know, uh, I haven't seen Woman Talking or Babylon or All Quiet on the Western Front, uh, After Sun. Those are all movies that I'm I'm pretty excited about seeing and uh, and look forward to getting to. Living is another one as well uh, that's high on my list. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty optimistic about uh, this season. That's going to be uh, an entertaining and fun one. The question is, are you optimistic about doing well on the prediction contest that I'm running? Oh, that I don't know. You know what? Uh, I I feel like the 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 more often I do it, the more years I do it. <laughs> the less I feel like I actually know. My confidence wavers every year a, a little bit more. I mean, that's just a sign that you're getting better at this. The more you realize you don't know what you're doing, <laughs> the better you are. I don't know. It'll be interesting. It'll also be interesting to see how... I know Rachel, uh, your co-host, entered last year. So it'll be interesting to see which of you two uh, get more nominations correct also. Yeah, uh, I don't know if she's going to be participating this year. She basically just sort of goes on uh, whatever she wants and not necessarily what she thinks will happen. Fair enough. All right. Uh, any other films that you've been watching? Uh, obviously, you're very busy with your production assistant work, but is there anything else that you've been uh, that you've been watching lately? You know, maybe Oscar related, or or probably especially not Oscar related, that you want to uh, plug for people. Yeah, I, I've been trying to catch up with 2022 movies. I don't release my best of the year list until after the Oscars because it takes me a little while to catch up with all the best movies of the previous year. Uh, so I've been trying to use this pre-Oscar time to maybe catch up with movies that probably are not going to get nominated for Oscars, but were on my list to see. I was really impressed with the uh, Netflix movie, The Wonder, starring uh, Florence Pugh, she's really fantastic in that, and I, I wish there was a bit more buzz behind it, but uh, she's great in that. Another movie that I was blown away with was Confess Fletch, starring John Hamm. Probably the funniest movie of last year. I really adored it. It is now on Paramount Plus, I believe, everywhere in North America, uh, and one that uh, definitely should check out. I also really enjoyed The Menu, and that was a kind of a fun one, too, that uh, probably isn't going to get nominated for anything, but uh, definitely well worth your time. Awesome. And then uh, any films from 2023 in particular that you're really looking forward to? Oh, that's tough. I feel like at this point in the game, we only really know the big budget ones that have been on the docket for a while. So like obviously Barbie and Oppenheimer and stuff like that. The next uh, Spider-Verse movie, Asteroid City from Wes Anderson are all ones that I would love to see. But uh, usually the real fun starts when uh, when Cannes happens and uh, we start to see like what smaller movies uh are probably going to be a bit of hits in the, in the film community. And that's yeah, where the real fun really starts. Or whether or not uh, Martin Scorsese actually finishes uh, Killers of the Flower Moon this year or not. <laughs> yeah, see if he can uh, make it for another year most anticipated list. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Well, is there anything uh, you want to plug? Obviously, you have Contra Zoom Pods or anything, you know, social media, Letterboxd accounts, you know, where you can listen to this. So anything you want to plug for for listeners? Yeah, absolutely. You can find Contra Zoom Pod on every major podcast platform and minor one, too. We also post shows on YouTube. If you want more information about the show in particular, ContraZoomPod.com is the best place to get links for everything. Our latest episode uh, that will be coming out is the next A24 retrospective, and that is on the J.C. Chandor film, A Most Violent Year, starring Oscar Isaac and Jessica Chastain. And I know it has a lot of fans, so I think that's going to be a bit of a popular episode uh, as well. Uh, otherwise, you know, if you want to go back and check out our, our greatest films of all time, episode that that paulo was so gracious to submit a ballot for that's a really great one and one i really love doing and and i know people were kind of a fond of uh as well but uh yeah 
please uh, check us out. We're on uh, at ContraZoom Pod on all socials as well. In like five years, whenever you do your retrospective on everything you ever all at once, please bring me on. <laughs> I, I imagine that's probably going to be a popular one of, of people wanting to uh, to come on for. You, I just know, do like uh, a, you just do like a massive like panel of people like writing in like their thoughts <laughs> on everything everywhere. Everyone gets two minutes. Yeah, for sure. Why Why is the best film? Uh, and of course, I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you'll probably have your Oscar uh, Best Picture nominees. Uh, once the nominations are out, you'll have a, a, a series of episodes on those as well, correct? Absolutely. I'll uh, I'll have reactions of the actual nominations. And then every year I do the, the series uh, delving deeper into the Best Picture nominees and their uh, respective nominations they have in other categories. And uh, we've discussed it before, but I, I have an open invitation for you to once again come back uh, for, I believe, the third year in a row. For the Everything Ever All at Once episode. I don't <laughs> care what other crappy films you throw in there. Just give me Everything Ever All at Once. <laughs> we'll have to see about that, yes. All right. I will fight Jeff for this. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm excited about that. All right. Well, thank you, Dakota. I'm looking forward to coming on for uh, for your uh, Best Picture uh, nominees, uh, and you know, uh, good luck to you for your Oscar predictions uh, for for this uh, for this episode. And you know, always great to talk to you as always. And you know, uh, you know, we'll 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 definitely keep in touch as we do. You know, almost every day. So uh, you know, have a good have have a good one. Thanks very much, and everyone, go listen to Conversation Pod. Thank you very much. Thanks again to Dakota once again for taking the time out of his busy schedule to come on the show and make his predictions for the Oscar nominations. Again, make sure you go and check out Zoom Pod linked in the show notes. Not only will I hopefully be coming on later this season uh, to talk about uh, and, and try to evangelize for everything everywhere all at once, uh, hopefully, uh, but his show in general is just really good to listen. So, you know, you should definitely check it out. I'll also link to all of his social media in the show notes. Now, as I mentioned before uh, before the interview, uh, again, we recorded this before some major shifts in the race, particularly with the BAFTA nominations uh, that are relevant for predicting the contest. So I figured they're worth mentioning. I'm not going to do a whole uh, um, category by category breakdown again. Just kind of the big macro stuff. Um, you know, if you're following the Oscars, you probably know a lot of this, but just in case. In general, I think the big winner from the BAFTAs were, of course, all quiet on the Western Front. Um, it obviously did very well at the sortless, and you know that kind of proved to be very valid for the uh, um, for for kind of across the board. I believe it got fourteen nominations, the most of any film uh, this year at the BAFTAs. Now, you know, grain of salt. Obviously, World War Two was a lot more of a of or, or World War One, I, I guess. World War One uh, was a very uh, British centric or European centric uh, war. Uh, so obviously, this kind of a lot more of an impact. Impact on uh, British um, BAFTA voting audience uh, than say a more American audience might. Um, obviously, not to take away from the film at all, um, but still, you know, I I I, I don't know how much is this is going to actually translate over. That said, a lot of people are moving all quiet into the top ten predictions uh, due to both having a lot of very strong technical nominations and you know even a couple above the line, above the line nominations from BAFTA, namely a director and adapted screenplay. 
Now, if All Quiet on the Western Front does end up making it into the top 10, uh, the films that this most directly hurts are Glass Onion, who is a fellow uh, Netflix film. Uh, you know, This was probably put All Quiet as uh, Netflix's priority for in terms of um, uh, campaigning for the film. Um, and then also other technical films. You know, I talked about in past episodes and, and earlier this episode, you know, there have only been maybe three or so uh, you know, films that are very technical, uh, you know, by my definition, either 67% of your uh, nominations or um, or at least or at least uh, three nominations if you admit less than one, less than two uh, below the line uh, or above the line, you know, at, less, at least three below the line, kind of making you a more technical film. Historically, there have only really been like three of those films in Best Picture per year. So, you know, if All Quiet does make it in, this kind of makes things harder for both Black Panther and Babylon as the other technical films kind of vying for a spot there. Um, this does also then open things up for other kind of smaller films we'll talk about in a second. Also helping those smaller films is the fact that Woman Talking uh, seems to have missed a lot of what it needed. You know, it missed out on a lot of the supporting actress nominations, uh, missed out on director for Sarah Poli, and you know, so at this point, it's kind of at risk for even missing out on Best Picture entirely. At this point, might might end up with only uh, adapted screenplay and score at this point. Um, Sarah Poli in particular missing out on director does help out uh, Dina Prince-Bythewood uh, for director for The Woman King um, who did get a BAFTA nomination and in general that I think helps out Woman King as you know a film that could maybe sneak into um, into Best Picture uh, with Viola Davis and actress as well. Um, now, Fablemans, you know, still, I think, is pretty much locked to get a Best Picture nomination, but it is looking a little bit less dominant uh, in, in other categories, right? Um, and, and you know, uh, you know, in particular, you know, there are a lot of technical categories where it didn't get a nomination, though in the past, you know, kind of the longtime uh, Spielberg collaborators like Michael Kahn or Janice Kaminsky have missed out on precursors and just ended up getting the nomination anyway from the Academy uh, for their specific categories. Um, and then above the line, you know, Michelle Williams, specifically an actress, is looking a little bit weak. She missed the BAFTA as well as the SAG Awards at this point. Uh, and actress specifically, this opens up that race to be a little bit less locked down. Uh, Anna de Armas could potentially sneak in uh, given that she did get the SAG and BAFTA nomination. Um, so that would be an interesting one for the death race to have to watch Blonde. Um, in addition, you know, Blonde is kind of, I think, making a play for makeup as well. The other smaller films I think that you know would be benefit from uh, both All Quiet and uh, All Quiet getting in and Women Talking uh, falling out. You know, smaller films like Living, uh, Triangle of Sadness, and The Whale. All of them hit more or less what they needed to in order to stay alive, right? Um, you know, they needed to get actress. You know, Living uh, needed Bill Nye. Um, you know, Triangle of Sadness needed Dolly De Leon, and The Whale uh, needed uh, Hong Chao. All of them got BAFTA nominations, um, and then all of them also got uh, respective screenplay no or, or still and play for screenplay nominations um, at this point as well. Um, Living, you know, got the USC nomination as well, the USC Writers nomination as well. Triangle of Sadness got the screenplay nomination. I forget if the, if the Whale got the BAFTA nomination, but I think that's still pretty much safe at this point. After Sun, on the other hand, the real small film with a giant heart, uh, kind of underperformed at the BAFTAs. You know, obviously you did get the kind of like rising star type awards for it, but it did miss out on Best Picture, unfortunately. Um, and, you know, it missed out on Director for Sarah Polly as, as well there, um, which kind of is why Zinni Prince Bythe was kind of like moving into that. You know, if you are expecting a woman uh, director to make the final five, she would kind of be the one uh, to be it. Um, the only real chance I think After Sun has at this point, also missing screenplay, uh, would be a, a Paul Mescal for actor, uh, probably taking him in over Tom Cruise. 
Um, also on the acting side, Eddie Redmayne is looking doing very well. You know, he got he's probably gonna he's looking to get the supporting actor nomination uh, over Judd Hurst at this point from the Fablements. Another kind of fall for Fablements at that point. Um, outside of the Baftas, you know, it also looks like there's a campaign uh, for Stephanie Sue from Everything Ever All At Once uh, to get supporting actress. You know, got a couple of high profile pieces, a couple of interviews on late night television. Uh, so I think she's in a good place where you know she could she could she's basically vying for a spot. Uh, between uh, Hong Chao and um, and 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 Dolly Deleon at this point, I think. Now moving on to the technical side of things, you know, obviously again, everything, every all of the ones is starting to be a major, uh, not a major play, but at least in the five for many, many categories it was nominated in at the BAFTAs. The biggest shifts I think are that, you know, previously uh, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris was kind of like the outsider sixth pick uh, for costume, like I predicted. I think she's, I think uh, with getting the BAFTA nomination, it's looking a lot more likely for her. Um, Batman is also looking very strong in a lot of technical nominations. It got cinematography, it got makeup, got production at the BAFTAs. So I think, you know, that'll definitely be another uh, uh, another technical contender, though it may not end up getting best picture at the end of the day. And then finally, Nope uh, looks to have dropped out of the race entirely at this point, not getting really any major nominations. It missed out at the, at the Visual Effects Society nominations as well. Uh, so I think Nope is out of the race at this point. Now, I made a Reddit post shortly after the BAFTA nominations went up, looking at each category outside of picture and sorts, uh, which are way too complicated to try to really call at this point. And I estimate you could probably look consider quote-unquote you know, a number of locked uh, slots in each category. I think if you exclude those, there are, I think, 27 nomination spots really up for grabs, right? And you know, those if you are entering my nomination contest, those are going to be the make and break slots that you know people will need to uh, you need to kind of maybe figure out the correct thing over other people to be able to get uh, to come out on top. You know, if, again, if you want to try your luck, see if you can get all those 27 slots correctly. Plus the two to three best pictures I think are up in the, for the air. Plus all of 15 sword categories. Uh, be sure to enter my nomination prediction contest. Uh, again, link to that form will be in the show notes. And with that, that wraps up this episode of the Oscars Death Race podcast. Let me know how your death race is going over on Twitter at OscarsDRacecast or via email at OscarsDeathRacePodcast at gmail.com. Make sure you subscribe to the show on your podcast service of choice. And if you can, leave a review there or even just share it with a friend who loves movies. Any of that helps. Um, those will be linked in the show notes as well as my Letterboxd account under the username NinzaBoyBorin and I. I uh, actually did something uh, fun this past couple days. I've been keeping track of all the movies I wanted to watch uh, over the past couple of years that I ended up not being able to find time for. Made different leather box for each year, one for 2020, 2021, and 2022. 2022 will be reduced down as films make it into the death race. Um, but you know, if you have any recommendations for films I should be adding to those lists, let me know as well. Also, be sure to check out the Oscar Race and Oscars Death Race subreddits, as well as the Academy of Death Race's Discord, and then OscarsDeathRace.com and DeathRaceTracking.com. Uh, music is provided for the source provided by Kevin MacLeod and Competent at Filmmusic.io. Editing production by Ninja Boy Media. As for this week, this has been Paul of the Oscars Death Race podcast. And until next time, I'll be here trying to watch all the Oscar nominees or die trying. Mm-hmm.